what do you guys think of Babylon 5? I thought it was great. Tell me how it ends. I think this is why she didn't like the show. She watched it on too small of a screen. Watch it on a big TV and you'll like it better. There's a little bit of debate about Puffalo's actual birthday. Puffalo must be adopted. Having been through hell with Harry Potter. We actually don't even need to talk about it on the podcast because it's kind of boring. I can laugh for you. Danielle, is she the strangest person you're ever going to meet? I know that there are stranger people out there. And when the music stops, you all sit down. Danielle, I'm not digging this wubby pie. Why? What's wrong with it? I don't know. It smells like a goat. What's wrong with this thing? I, I want What's wrong with you? Let's go to a whole different room with a bay window. I don't understand Facebook. Danielle wanted to get into fan fiction. Netflix show- says this show is dark, exciting, and imaginative. If you don't stop them, they'll fire in ten minutes. Well, that's an awfully big coincidence. Did someone tip him off? Sheridan said the stupidest thing I've ever heard. He says we're going to speak in short declarative sentences so they can't misuse what we say. Once you take out specific aliens, it really worked really well because it come down to that fundamental principle that we must be kind to each other. Danielle, you're now to lend. <laughs> I'm going to start season five. Oh, it's dirty. Enough about my cats, Babylon 5. Okay, it's been so long since I've actually worn this headset that I forget how it fits on my head now. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember how to start the call. <laughs> Five years later, it's like, do you remember how to do this? No, no. H- how do we do this? This is actually a different operating system than the last time we did one of these. I'm like, where's this? Very nice, very nice. PS is online and ready. My mother, she had to order for work and got a side of antipasto, which had a glove in it. So they gave her all of this free pastry which she just hoisted on me so we may have to take a few moments and chat with P.S. as I eat remnants of a chocolate cake and a whoopie pie. What a shame. Free pastry. Oh my god. And Danielle's on prednisone so she has the rest of the box. Very good. Very good. So is Kate not doing it or is she on your... What are we doing? No, she got frustrated trying to get the microphone part to work and threw the thing across the room and said, screw it, I'm not doing it, I'm going to play Farmville. Okay. Is she in the room with you or no? Farmville works! She says Farmville works. Do you guys want to, like, spoon and talk together like Danielle and I did, or just not happening? I suggested that. She seems to think, no, no. Catherine is not a spooner. Can we get that in the uh, episode title, please? So I have my glasses off now so the headset will fit, so now, of course, I can't see anything. Let's get Mm -hmm. the yes in here while we're waiting for Danielle. Oh, shit, how do I add her to the... Oh, damn it. (laughs) How do I do this? Add add people to the conversation. P and S. Add. Let's see if she takes my call. Hello. Now, P.S., it's been so long since I talked to you. Are you, like, obsessed with Glee now or anything, or are you still the same person I knew before? I'm still the same. <laughs> Don't be so excited. Forgive me, I found a whoopie pie on my way to the recording. Mm-hmm. Oh, Kelly's here. Hang on. Because Kelly was actually, she actually used to yak with all the Babylon 5 fans, so she might remember the answer to my question about Susan. Uh, there was no is, way I, I knew was, the answer. I guarantee you, you don't, P.S., because I had no idea what he was did you, talking did you about. Watch, was, did you watch Beyond Season 3? How do you know? Did Give you watch Beyond Season Because it wasn't show-related. It was behind-the-scenes stuff. Wait, Maybe how far, I'll come up with the right how answer. How far do like, you watch magic. onto the show? What was that right? Whatever, when what's-his-name fell off the cliff. All right, you wouldn't even... This is a year later. I'm not taking the swampy pie. 
Why? What's wrong with it? I don't know. Let's ask has, Danielle. Danielle can tell me what's wrong. Has it gone bad? I don't think so. Although they did find gloves in the antique pasto, so you never know. Did you get it out of a package? What sort of gloves? Like vinyl gloves? Or? I think it was um, plastic gloves. The gloves? <laughs> I think they found plastic gloves in the antique pasto, as, as one does. That, that happened to um, friends of mine once. They ordered a huge Italian family. They ordered like the world's largest birthday cake or anniversary cake or you know, whatever, happy Italian day cake. And unfortunately, they ordered it from the bakery next to the Chinese restaurant, so they had this giant beetle cooked inside of the, uh... Ew. Hi, honey. Today I saw somebody had dressed up beetles like characters from Jurassic Park. That's a little weird. Danielle? Hi. Hi. Sorry. Danielle, I'm not digging this whoopie pie. Why? What's wrong with it? I don't know. It smells like a goat. What's wrong with this thing? It's like... It's is it... Too... Well, is it not chocolate? No, it's chocolate. It's too marshmallowy. It's... It's... Hmm... Mm. Now, do you want me to give it to you? Because you'll eat anything because you're on prednisone. No, because I have some yummy chocolate-covered mousse thing. How's the eat. cat? She wants what I'm eating, and of course she can't have it. No shit. She, she would die. I want to get my cat a shirt. That. I want to get my cat a shirt that says, Hi, I'm expensive. She's staring okay, at me because I'm eating it. Who puts clothes on their cats? No. no. I'm one of those people that gets a cat for a month and gives them intestinal surgery. <laughs> swear to God. Well, you didn't give it. Well, I didn't actually do it. I authorized the surgery. Paid for it. Yes. It had to We're- be, well, you know, it had to be the cute cat. And now I love the other guy. I love the mean cat now, so I'm just... He's not mean. He, he bit me two hours ago. He's not mean. mean. He's big boned. He's big boned. Well, Danielle's like, because what he does is he nibbles on Danielle's hand and, like, presses down, like, almost like he's teething. She's like, see, it's cute. He does the same thing to me. He takes, like, a chunk of my hand out. She's like, maybe he just likes to bite you. Bite you. You should wear gloves. Why am I echoing? Sorry, I have to fix my earbud. My earbuds. You were unsuccessful. Oh God, what is she doing? All right, I'm It's a bad whoopie pie. So, P.S. What up? Ah, uh, I don't know. Same old, same old. How's that whole forum thing going? It's it's going. It's still there. I'd like you to know I'm modeling my Hufflepuff head of house ship after the Mitt Romney governorship. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> You'll find I'm not there most of the time. Would or you you're like changing to all of the taxes to Hold on, and... let me get this right. You made me head of house. I'm an absentee head of house, and you're trying to promote me. You just said you were like Mitt Romney. Oh, thank God. I thought you wanted to make me something. Um. No, no. <laughs> you're like, God, no, i never do that. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, I don't think you could handle the upper um, manager. Well, no, you, yeah, you, you, Ryan, you would, you would make be terrible at running the forum. I don't I don't think you've got it in you. I don't think I have it in I'm making a ten thousand dollar bet I can do it. Hey right hey, right I'll be right back. All four houses right here, right now. Who's next term? Do we know? Or are we oh yeah we all actually are. We have every we should term. we should we should all become the heads of house. Who's getting well, the job? It's not like oh, I haven't done it before. I never have. I kinda wish I had. Really? It's yeah. a good experience. Well, My first is- day on the job I had had to settle a fight between Mike and Ryan. That was great. Which fight was that? Was that the fight or some other incident before the I think fight? that was the fight, actually. Uh, I think that happened like the day after I got a My birthday. Wait, the original fight or the. The, the fight happened fight? over my birthday. So it was Death Row's first day on the job. That's, that's memory lane. Yeah, because I think it was funny because when everything was happening, it's like, you know, bygones be bygones. You know, and then like after it all happened, Death Row's listening to some of Mike's old podcast. He's like, I was really pissed at him in this episode he wouldn't hang up and it's like all the old stuff started. oh my god when he wouldn't hang up he wouldn't hang up and you're like that was- yeah 
It was, and I was listening to that episode, and I was getting so pissed again and again, all over again. I'm exactly. like, yeah. why well, did I think it's when you listen to these things? Or like, was he left the TV on all night, so there's like 12 hours of TV or something? Oh yeah, thank God. Yeah, and we were we were begging him, Mike, hang up the call, otherwise you're gonna crash Ryan's computer, and he still wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it. Uh, well, uh, I worry about that. Boy. Well, no, it's like you get really wrapped up, and you listen to these things. Death Row was listening to a podcast once. He was getting so pissed at me, and he like starts text messaging me and yelling at me. I'm like. I don't know what you're talking about. Do you have no tact, sir? I apologized for that. It was funny. I'm like, I don't mind if you yell at me. Just give me a frame of reference on what the hell you're talking about. It was funny. Uh, I, I was having a long day at work, and I'd listened to like three of them straight, and I was very into Ryan's head at that point. And I'm like, ah! So, Danielle, so as we. Um, so do do we want to do it's P- a very PS before we let you go? And I don't mean to say that with like the firing thing because I know it's layoff season in a lot of companies. But like before we do this, do we it's all have... layoff season? It's well, right before Christmas. Thi- oh yes. Oh, I'm, oh, oh. I'm familiar with that. I that had a company close on me two weeks before Christmas. That was fun. Yeah, that happened. To, Ooh. That happened to Danielle too. Well, well, not before Christmas, but yeah. But you hated working there anyway. Yeah, it was. I was fine with it. <laughs> Danielle's like, my hives cleared up. <laughs> um, do you guys want to do a, like a where are they now little segment before we talk about Babylon 5? Sure, why not? It's been a while since we've recorded anything. All right, and uh, why don't we just start now? Cold Like open. what, how, how? What, what do you mean like, where, what, 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 what like, are you talking like, about? Like what are you into now? Like what fandoms might you be into now? Shows, TV, movies, things that you might be into now? Like Danielle wanted to get into fan fiction, so she Well, you told Kezi you'd read her fic. That's more like... Ryan, (laughs) you... Ryan, you made me tell you I was going to read a fan fiction, and I said I like Keza, so I'm going to read Keza's. Is that how that works out? Yes, because you wouldn't leave me alone if I said I wouldn't read one. That doesn't sound like me. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You not leave. See, I love it. They should both come to everything. We we do the Ryan and Jen show, and it's like this all the time. Because well, we had we actually had a Ryan and Jen show double date, and that was fabulous about Doctor Who. That was great. OPS, did you see the thingies they put online for Doctor Who season four? Doctor Who season four. The um, ballad to Julian Russell. No. Okay, we'll talk. Um, well, we actually don't even need to talk about it on the podcast because it's kind of boring. Um, when the season ended, when season four ended, John Barrowman, David Tennant, and Catherine Tate did a skit called A Ballad to Russell and Julie because the two producers uh-huh. were leaving the show. And they basically acted out, they did a musical acting out like the years of them being in charge of the show with David playing Russell and Catherine uh-huh. playing Julie. And then they did... Oh, no, I have seen that. You did see that? No, I haven't. That doesn't sound familiar at it's all. It's really funny. And then they did a thing. It's the, it's the cast and crew did a thing. Um, to the, do you know the song 500 Miles? Mm-hmm. They did um, a sketch of the cast and crew did a, um, like a music, like a, Danielle, what would you call it? A music video. A music video. Okay. Well, <laughs> do I have to be a smart ass? They did a music... Do you mean a song with different words? No, they did a music like video. No, they just, they just lip sync to the actual song. So, but as they recorded uh, The End of Time. So, you know, David Tennant's marching with, um, you know, the Master and the Time Lord President, you know, doing... Johnson. Yeah, and they had Wilf and the old lady who wanted to marry him at Donna's wedding. Yeah. And, like, they were doing... It was very, it was very funny. <laughs> Did you see how P.S. laughed a little bit there? That was, you know... Yeah. It was, it was a little funny. Yes, we'll drop in her laughter here. You know, you like... You to- I told you it was funny, and you said... <laughs> well, I haven't seen it, so I don't know how funny it is. It was a... It was Maybe a- I'll laugh. 
I can laugh for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is kind of when we think P.S. has been drinking a little bit. I, I was drinking. What's wrong with you? Well, you what drink, happened? You've been drinking. You were you drinking the last time I talked to you. Like that. Oh, P.S. So, do you want to get started? Sure. Hey, Danielle, are you sure. drinking something? What? Are you drinking something? No, I'm not. Someone sounded like they were drinking. Must have been P.S. The Puffle Exchange was our last best hope for conversation. We failed. But in season three, it became something greater. Our last best hope for entertainment. Welcome back to the Puffer Exchange. This is Ryan. This is Death Row. Yes, this is Danielle. I was going to say, and then there's Mom. <laughs> like, you guys talked over each other. I don't All know. right, we had a little uh, malfunction at the Puffer Exchange headquarters. We were recording on a regular basis, very, very frequently, and then every couple of months we'd release an episode. So it got to the point where some of the podcasts had us caught talking about Premier Gorbachev when he was still in office. So there was a little bit of a lag in terms of how fresh the episodes were. So we've. <laughs> Death Row loves it when they throw Gorbachev into any sentence. Is he even it's alive? It's hysterical. Gorbachev is alive and he still has the thing on his head. Yes, yes. Well, I didn't imagine that was going away. I thought that was kind of permanent. Because I remember when Ronald Reagan died, they had Margaret Thatcher record, because she had a stroke, she recorded a a eulogy for Ronald Reagan, basically bitch-slapping Gorbachev, and he was in the room receiving, like, while the eulogy was fabulous. But anyway, enough about the Russians. Um, We had a little bit of an issue getting our backlog done, so we're clear with it now. So if Death Roll's editing this episode, which I'm sure he'll volunteer to do, it may be released. I was actually going to volunteer to edit this way. It might actually come out before Christmas. Well, it will probably be released within the next... Wow! It'll be released within the next three hours, because the most embarrassing thing... Wow! The most embarrassing... I'm sorry. It's December 13th, everybody. 2011. 2011. 2011. And the the thing that always embarrasses me in in the podcast where we're like, oh, please, this thing's going to come out in June. And everyone's like, oh, please, we're not that bad. And it's like late August and I'm still editing the thing. So it gets better. So How's that Hunger Games podcast? The Hunger out? Games podcast is fabulous. I'm going to have to remove any topical references in it, such as I'm thinking of buying a cat. Ryan, let's do another one. Let's talk about the trailer. You want to talk about the trailer to Hunger Games? We can can talk about the trailer to Hunger Games. And uh, we're going to do a little Where Are They Now segment. We are uh, not going to be able to keep PS during the entire podcast, unfortunately, because as it comes to Babylon 5 Season 4, the last thing she saw was the guy fall off the thingy, which was... The cliff. (laughs) I know he jumped off a cliff into some ditch. Like, yeah. maybe, no, it's the wrong word. It's more like a reason, he calls you know, AAA. I'm in all a the ditch. way down. I, I'm in a ditch. But see, Ryan, he couldn't have not jumped because there was like an explosion chasing him. No, so he otherwise, jumped. he would have burned up. But the deal so was, no, he would, would have you burned have up, or he could have jumped. And Kosh told him to jump. Jump now. Oh yeah, jump yeah, now. Yeah. Right. Yes, jump, the jump. Purple now. guy. Purple, purple, purple Kosh. Kosh. Purple Kosh. It was actually Green Kosh. Green Green Kosh told him to jump. Purple, okay. Purple Kosh is a little bit of a dick. Yes, and I'm glad he gets what's coming to him. He, he gets what's coming to him. Prince Purple Kosh. See, that, I, 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 
Tell me what. Tell me how it ends. You want me to tell you how the the season ends? Yes. Just okay, tell. Well, I'm tell not going to tell you, gonna gonna tell you how the show. All right. Ends, no, no, no. We're not going to tell you. Stay on the call and find out. Yeah. There you go. We'll we'll just put you in the corner. You can you can you can read the magazine and just go. Oh, like you can be our. I can player. I can interject with helpful commentary. And well, I think we should do that then. So. Yeah, some things that we're into now, uh, we have Hunger Games, the first movie coming out in the next three months. I have not been following the casting. I have no idea who the hell these people are. I've heard of Donald Sutherland before. You may have. He's uh, a little known actor. Well, but, I, yeah. I, I know who he is. I think he's perfectly cast as uh, the role of uh, President Snow in the Hunger Games. So uh, if you haven't read the Hunger Games, read the Hunger Games. We have a podcast coming out, as I recall. Uh, it's PS and I talking about the Hunger Games and Melinda and Rinna in the back of the room screaming, what? Because there was some audio <laughs> distortion. Very things. good. Speaking of people called Snow, we're going to be jumping back into the Game of Thrones and, and covering a Clash of Kings at some point. Yeah. That would be great. I would just like to point out, when it comes to the Harry Potter fandom, you have like that Harmonian delusional wank that happened. Excuse after. me. Excuse me. Yes. Well, uh, no, there, there was there was some wank with the harmonians. No, people who actually thought Rose. that she was leaving clues that Harry and Hermione would end up together. Well, I'm saying there are is, clues that Harry and Hermione should be together. Do you wait, really want to have this discussion? Oh, no, I mean the actual. Deathrow, haven't you gotten us enough negative reviews on iTunes? As not is? at all. No, no, seriously, I have <laughs> been in the fandom longer than you, Ryan, and I'm. Not sure about Danielle, maybe PS, but I've been around since after Goblet of Fire and Danielle's been tons in of things. Um, I've been I, in I, fandom longer than that. Well, I shouldn't good. say fandom. I've read the. I she's read the books. I've read. Okay. I, I have been a fan of the books for a long time. Avid reader. I, I've been in the fandom for ten years now, yeah, and I was recently listening to. P.S. Revelation Day, where she was telling us all about how she loves Harry and Ginny. And there's a, a nice follow-up to it where she says that based on the canon, she doesn't buy Harry Ginny. It's only in fic that she believes it. And that's the case with me. Melinda writes great stuff, but some of it I don't feel is necessarily canon-based in that regard. Well, the can- Well, if you, let's just be clear. If you only watch the films, let's just get this out of the way. If you only watch the Harry Potter films, you have to be a Harmonian. There's no way around that. You have to believe in Harry Potter. Like- Harry Ginny in the movie. I I just watched. Really? You're the only one. Like, maybe not. You're not the only one. But they had a wimpy kiss. Like she hugged him when Dumbledore died. That was really. I really liked the scene in the Room of Requirement. Yes, Half Blood Prince was good, but Deathly Hallows it was was terrible. Oh, that was terrible. Yeah, it was a great scene in the Room of Requirement, except for I don't think it was canon because didn't Harry go up there by himself? I thought it was a great like a great AU thing to happen. Well, they really trimmed it. Well, they cut Harry breaking up with her, and they cut that whole focus of the... Like, it, like if you read the Seventh Horcrux, it's basically Deathly Hallows, but with Ginny. I mean, and I think that kind of... <laughs> no, it is. I mean, that's the... It is. I'm it even is. trying to... I'm trying to explain to a friend of mine. A friend of mine at work just started reading the novels. I'm trying to explain to her what the Horcruxes were, and I'm like, there's an extra one in here. Melinda picked one. I remember there was, like, an ice castle. I can't remember if that was... But, um, <laughs> Fortress of Solitude. Fortress of Solitude. There's something in there, but I couldn't remember. kal you must not use your powers for personal gain. I'm sorry, I was just watching Big Bang Theory, and they were debating something about Superman and mustard and his... No, his Kryptonian sweat stains. That was exactly what it was. Honestly, if you are a Star Trek fan, or if you are a fan of anything geeky, you have to watch the Big Bang Theory. Because I it's, agree with that. It's, it's the like, best yes, show in the this world. could be the sitcom that turns you because you're one of us. It's a sitcom for people like us. Is she off to rent it? Yes. What? What? 
What? Oh. No, no. Did you zone in? I, I, you... I need to. No, I need. I need to get. A, I need to get my power cord. I'll be right back. Okay. Thank God. I thought she was. Okay. Very, very good. Big, and and, and the as reindeer. We were, how I've missed them. The reindeer. <laughs> well, we figured it out. It's her hair brushing against the microphone. Hmm. Only her hair seems to make that noise. It's a little bizarre. So where were we? We're all over the map. We've got uh, the Hunger Games movie coming out in a few months. Uh, Death, what are you into? We are going to be covering Castle at some point. I need to sit down and actually watch the episodes. I finally bought the third season. Yay. I have Uh, the first. I have the first, and I'm taping the fourth with the expectation I'll watch it someday. Rock on. You absolutely should. We're going to be discussing nothing but characters, no plots, because, well, the, the plots aren't very interesting. It's police procedural. Okay. And all we care about is character interaction and, and sexual tension and goodness like that. Yes, because the public exchange to, is big into sexual tension, so that works We love well. it. Yes. We are going to be covering um, some more Firefly. There, We've covered the official stuff, but there's plenty of unofficial stuff. There was a... I still have to finish that. Just so you know, Danielle and I haven't finished Firefly. It was one of those shows we got into and then dinner was ready. I mean, it's kind of pathetic that we couldn't finish it's sad, it was a so 14 good. episode like It was series. so good. And it's it was those, so good. You know yeah. what it is? I'm saving it for the day I get stuck on an elevator. We're in here! <laughs> Can anyone hear us? I hear you. <laughs> in here! <laughs> We're in here! <laughs> What's this now? What are we on now? I was discussing where we're going with Firefly. We've covered the official stuff. There was just recently a movie done by fans, and all the proceeds go to charity. It's official. It's licensed everything. And I have my hands on a copy of that. It's called Brown Coat Redemption. Okay. And there's graphic novels. There's, we should talk about uh, the graphic novel. Yeah. There's fan-made music stuff. There's a great one called Brown Coat's The Mixtape. So is it like a and fan film, or is it... It is a fan film, but it's official and sanctioned. But when we talk about quality, is it like a fate, Star Trek Phase 2 fan film, or... I haven't it... watched it yet, so Is I it like know. with the characters? Oh, or is it like it's the characters, the but it's different actors? Okay. Uh-huh. So I'm I'm very much looking forward to see how it is. Yeah, because fan films can be. Well, the thing with fan films too is there's two different types I like. There's the ones that are very very into set design and CGI and making like a proper episode or a proper contribution. And then there are the other ones which cut at any corner they can for the purpose of having like a story that comes out frequently so mm-hmm. i'm curious which way they kind of go with it because i like both yeah i'm really curious to see how it is i mean it looks great the the characters they don't necessarily look like the the official actors but yeah you can tell that's who that character is just by looking at it there's something with the outfit and i think the character playing jane has that ridiculous hat so <laughs> and the hat makes everything better well i that hat is the same hat ron weasley wears and he doesn't pull it off nearly as well as jane does well i just turned um richard from puffle onto chuck which is probably they finally one, got somebody i got richard onto chuck chuck is probably one of the best shows i have ever seen because it's one of those shows it's a it's a spy dramedy and the those shows are really hard because they're either too fluffy or they take themselves too seriously and like you just said the plots are stupid but it's one of those shows where the characters are are awesome and it's it, it, it strikes it, it straddles the fence but it hits all the right areas and it's it's one of those, it's the little show that could it's it's literally it's firefly and it made it, you know, 13 episodes, and then, you know, by the grace of God, it got renewed, and then it was supposed to get canceled, and it got renewed, and it's somehow, like, 
even more so than Babylon 5 ever was. It was the show that could, and it made it five seasons. It's about to go off the air. It made it literally on fumes, but the, the plot is great, and the characters are, are great. It's a great show. I, I highly recommend it, but the um, there's three lead characters to the show, and one of them is Adam Baldwin, who plays Jane in Firefly. Yeah. And mm-hmm. his... He's amazing. I've showed the show to several people who are also fans of Firefly, and Jane is usually on the top of the character list for Firefly, and every one of these people has said, you know, it pains me to say this. Granted, there's more episodes of Chuck, so that might be coloring me, but I think he's even better in Chuck than he is on Firefly, because he plays kind of... Now, a, see, I, I went backwards, but I, I like Jane better. You like Jane better. So you've seen both, but it's... He plays, um, he plays, a. Uh, uh, NSA first, but I like Jane better. He plays like an NSA agent, but he's got that kind of out there personality, you know. And that he, he he's just he's you. He's, it's very Jane-ish. Like very Jane, Jane is. and the grunting went straight. Like instead of being a criminal, right. I think he would have wound up a lot like Casey. Mm-hmm. He's exact. He's he's just an awesome, and he has like the quippy one-liners, and he's fabulous, fabulous character. So if you are if you are missing Firefly, right. or if you have nothing, then to watch, that would be come out very similar. Yeah, and if you watch the first episode and you hate a character named Morgan, which is what happens to Danielle. Yeah, just wait. Keep oh, waiting. He gets better. Keep watching the show. It's it, that character improves, and Danielle has gone to the point where she has. And Danielle, you know, is is one of those people that knows the value of a dollar. Danielle bought Chuck swag because yes, I did. She, she loves Chuck. I have my Team Bartowski T-shirt. You do. We name. Okay, I named my cat after the show. Go watch it. Okay, I did. Charles Irving Bartowski. Chuck is my Bartowski. Cat's name. It gets embarrassing when we go to the vet. Let me just tell you. <laughs> But it's that great. When a... to, it's great when I have to yell at him. So, uh, P.S. What did you, did you think of the Hunger Games trailer? I thought it was really cool. I think they captured a lot of the look of the of how I had been picturing it. I think Katniss was pretty spot on. Mm-hmm. One, I really like how what it seems like they're going to do because obviously the book is first person and in a, in a movie they might not necessarily do that. And there are scenes you can see they're like from the point of view of the audience. Mm-hmm. Like there's a scene where she raises her fingers and I think that's right after um, Can I Say Something? No, no don't spoil because okay. that's what I was right. Uh, I, think, I think everybody who's read the books and seen the trailer will know what scene that is. I do, but what and I would remind you is that that scene also involves something being shown on a video camera, so you could get yeah. the perspective of the camera there. I know exactly what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, I think it from the perspective of the people in the Capitol, and I think I know what's going to happen. Yeah, it's a gr- the thing about the show and, and the thing about the book and the, and the trailer that we've seen so far, um, and I don't want to spoil anyone who hasn't seen it and Death hasn't read it yet. When you're, put it from the perspective of Harry Potter, when those movies were coming out, the things that the fans would always cringe at is when there was a scene in a trailer or a scene in the film that just dramatically was different from the book and it kind of scared you when you saw it in the trailer because you're like, oh god, it's like, you know, when Dumbledore is beating Harry's head relentlessly against the trophy case. Like, you you worry. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I have a story about that. It's like, my my dad has, he's read Harry Potter, but he's (laughs) not a fan at all. No, no, no. Um, he, he doesn't even like really he didn't re- really retain anything at all so mm-hmm. he basically he's just watched the movies and right. he watched Goblet of Fire recently for the first time and he's like Dumbledore is horrible <laughs> exactly like, mm-hmm. why not because he's so mean to Harry well the thing I even well the point I was just about to make is the thing with the Hunger Games trailer is 
when you read the book and you watch the trailer, you pick up lines of dialogue straight from the book, mm-hmm. and there was well, nothing. Dan Collins wrote the screenplay. Yeah, exactly, the author wrote the screenplay, and there's literally there was nothing I could see on that screen that I didn't remember from the yeah. book. So it I seems think, to be very faithful, I, which is good. Watch it, having gone through Harry Potter. Having gone through the Golden Compass, which did not materialize into what the, the hell was up with that movie? Danielle and I watched it, and I want those hours. Oh my god, I hated that movie. That was such a terrible movie. Those are my it. favorite books of all time, and the movie is terrible. But having been through hell with Harry Potter and the aborted his Dark Materials quote unquote movie trilogy, mm-hmm. I feel like The Hunger Games is the most optimistic I have ever felt about a movie adaptation. And we hate everything, so that's this is mm-hmm. good coming from us. The one thing I will <laughs> say is I don't like the second to last chapter of the last book. So if they change that in the trailer, I'm cool. Well, I actually think. That they're going to split. I'm, I have hope that they will split. That Mocking Jay will be the one that they split because splitting books is apparently the, the dumb thing nowadays. Deathly Hallows, Breaking Dawn. Yes. Mo- um, they haven't said whether they'll be splitting Catching Fire or Mocking Jay, but I assume they'll be splitting Mocking Jay, and I hope they clean it up, and I hope that they make it make sense. Do a quick spell check on it before they send it out. Yeah, that would be fabulous. Um, I just is it bad? Well, no. The second to last chapter. It's 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 it's, it's bad. It's like like you know how the fandom reads new canon. It's it's not. For as, reference, please see our podcast on Dance with yeah, Dragons. It's, yeah. dancing, it's, it's, it's Dance with Dragons. Oh no! Well, no. The second. It's, no, it is. Actually, you know what? It's not as bad as Dance with Dragons. Okay. That that was disingenuous of me. Say this is a twenty-five um, chapter book. Read through the book. Plot good. Read the last chapter. Plot good. Now read chapter twenty four. Sucks. So if you can find a different way to get, if you, I'm fine with one to twenty three, and I'm fine with where you ended up, but I don't like the direction it took to get to the ending. If you just took a different road to get me there and just cleaned it up a little bit, I think it would be much stronger. I so. think that she got really roped into writing a trilogy, and I think she didn't want to pull a George R. R. Martin and capitulate on that mm. and write four books. So I think that she that's she squeezed Mockingjay into one. No, it would I, honestly. Be, she no, should have written four books. No, it would be like it would be like at the end of a. If you read a great book and then say it's a Harry Potter fic, you read a great fic, then at the end someone hits Harry over the head with a golf club and he wakes up in the hospital wing and Dumbledore told him how the whole thing ended. The end. That's Twilight, Ryan. Well, there you go. But you know what I mean. So if, as long as you know he misses the golf club I actually, and he's, I have a good. I'm trying to translate this into. Harry Potter terms. Imagine if you're reading Deathly Hallows uh-huh. and it's going good up until the final battle, and the final battle is just really poorly written. You know, Harry gets and knocked out in the final have, battle, wakes up, finds out ima- he ended the whole thing. Imagine that Deathly Hallows, that the last the last non epilogue chapter was removed. And that's Deathly Hallows. You have the epilogue and you have everything up till that. Just remove the last non-epilogue chapter and think about how satisfied you'd feel. Right. Well, that is the final battle, isn't it? Well, Granted, I've only read Deathly no, Hallows trying, once, but there's the final battle. Say, everyone dies, and then they go up to Dumbledore's I, office, and then there's the epilogue. That's it. That's it. I'm trying to say yeah. there's like no post climax resolution, even yeah. less than Deathly Hallows. Yeah, that's Hallows. exactly it. There's there's no re- yeah. It would be like if if Harry. Not, yeah, okay, better way. Harry does the, the final battle with, with Voldemort, and he gets zapped by the Expelliarmus, because it was his thousandth Expelliarmus, and it zapped him, and he fell and bumped his head, and then cue the epilogue. <laughs> and you don't see, you know, the reaction. Yeah, you don't see him waking up from yeah. being unconscious, like, and you have, like, 19 years later, 
apparently Harry woke up from being unconscious, you know? After a wonderful trilogy that ended with a wonderful final chapter, the author unfortunately had gas. We'll just leave it there. But it hopefully they will clean I'm sure it's a good way to it. put the epilogue. That's sure a real I think that is the that is why they're splitting Mocking Jay, because I don't think Mocking Jay is really that long and plot intensive as Deadly Hallows where yeah, I feel but like you, they you show you do CGI shots and you I think they yeah. should have Maggie Smith in the middle of the Hunger Games trilogy screaming to That would very much improve Mocking Jay if McGonagall appeared randomly. I think you should. I think you just have <laughs> You know, yeah, like, if it suddenly just became a crossover and you just had other better characters from better stories just show up and take I, care of God, it. Well, you, you said Maggie, and my brain flashed over to Barb's universe, the missing oh, Weasley that, sister. That was, that was unfortunate. Now, she there, would improve Mockingjay, because Maggie have, is, and is awesome. Danielle's seen this. I do have on my Facebook feed, someone has re-edited the Mockingjay I'm sorry, the Hunger Games trailer. They've kept the Hunger's Game audio, but they have spliced together all of the visuals from various Harry Potter novels. Oh, nice. I love that sort oh of God. stuff. So, what, Effie, the-, the character of Effie, who de- who's this girly girl who gives this great grandiose speech and she talks like this, and all, is actually Gambin from um, God <laughs> of the Fire. Like, where is this link? It's on. Um, it's on my Facebook page. If you scroll down, okay. um, Hermione is Katniss. Ron is Gale, and Harry is Peta, as I recall. I can't remember who. And Gin- Ginny is. Ginny is Prim. Who's? Prim. I can't remember who. Um. Um. Snow is. Oh, who was that? It was Voldemort. Was it? <laughs> I don't think it was. Vol- Wasn't um Hagrid somebody too? Hagrid was um. Oh, uh, uh, uh who's? Yes, who's... Oh, her stylist was Hagrid the stylist? No, yeah, no. <laughs> oh, um, what is his name? My God, I can't even no, remember. No, I'm blaming on their name. Willie Harrelson's character. Oh, um, drunk guy, Hamish. Yes. Hamish. Hey, wasn't Hagrid Hamish? Oh, yeah, he might have been. I can't remember. Or no, or is, or is Hagrid, um, oh, yeah, I don't know. We should probably figure this out before the movie comes out. But we're going we're gonna to read the book again. We'll be fine on that. So should we talk I'm about I'm logging into Facebook. No, hang on. I want to talk more about the mashed up trailers. There's one called Muppets 11. It's the audio for Motions 11, and it's a whole bunch of clips from the Great Muppet Caper. No, I have... Great Muppet Caper. That was such a good movie. It is. Oh, my I God. I used to watch it all the time. <laughs> Oh, by the way, Ryan, I feel like I should alert you to this. Um, oh my gosh, I don't have a password. Where's my password? Yeah. Facebook just sent me an email. I just five seconds ago tried to log into Facebook, and apparently I typed the wrong password, and they just sent me an email. That is so creepy. <laughs> <laughs> it says, sorry, you've been having trouble logging into your Facebook account. Well, the thing that kills me is every time I, I forgot my phone one day, and I was on lunch at work because I wanted to log into Facebook, so I tried logging in from my Kindle, and I got an email from Facebook saying someone from Seattle, Washington is trying to log in. Well, that's where Kindle's headquarters is. So that's oh, my gosh. Got. Yeah, that so, happened to me like, at oh work. Like, I logged into Facebook from work, and it told me someone from Austin, Texas was trying to access my account. And it's because the whole server is, like, apparently based in Texas. <laughs> and now I have like, hmm. a backbook. Okay, I'm getting out of here. I'm getting out of here as soon as I find this link. Oh, anyway, I want to, like, now I haven't read this yet because I'm waiting for it to be complete. And hopefully it will be complete. What? But there's a fic I'm watching in the BSG fandom, and it is a Hunger Games crossover. Though I would actually call it a Hunger Games fusion, because the premise is that the the Cylons won the first time around and instituted a Hunger Games thing. Nice. Very nice. You bring up BSG, I'll bring up Muppets again. There's a Muppet Star Galactica. (laughs) Give me this. Give it to me. Oh, why are you now? 
He's, he's Let Christmas me Google still, that for Christmas you. Christmas is still 12 days away. You have to do all this to P.S. Do you know how many people there are with your name, Ryan? You're my friend. I searched for you, and I got this other man that came up first. I, I love when I actually put what P.S. says into written form in my head. Do you know how many people have your name, Ryan? You're my friend. <laughs> no, that's not what I said. That's what you said. Oh, you, just, oh, oh. you just moved the commas over a little bit. Do you know how many people there are with your name, Ryan? You're my friend. I searched for you, and I got this other man. Okay, where is it? I see, you know, the first time you wear your winter coat, and then I see the prednisone lady craves ice cream. For those of you who are my friend on Facebook, you're getting a sneak oh, peek. Should I not be reading this? I don't care. Danielle's the prednisone lady. Oh my god, I'm not pregnant. I'm on, I'm on steroids. Who said you were pregnant? I didn't say pregnant. I said prednisone. <laughs> no, okay. Karen did. She was like, preggers? I'm like, no, steroids. Actually, I, the first time I thought We, we don't need to start any more rumors. It's bad no. enough I put it out that you guys are responsible for another life. Seriously. Yeah, that, that was, that's, yeah, that was like. Okay, I, I have found the link. It is actually through Sue. Hufflepuffs are particularly good finders. Is, everything on Facebook is through Sue. This is weird how it makes it look like these other people are writing on your wall. That's so strange. I don't understand Facebook. It does blow my mind as well. I'm a big tweeter. I enjoy I like tweets. Twitter. Although I find... We, um, we are tweeting back and forth to Ryan. Well, I find most of the people whose tweets I forward aren't actually alive. They're not real people. Oh, whatever. I have a question. Yes. What does it mean? Why do you always use the hashtag of FB? What does that mean? Uh, that means copy it to Facebook. Oh, okay. Because I thought I just thought you were. The people who joined in right now to listen to Babylon Five commentary and they're like, "The hell!" No, I just thought that you were. Welcome to Puffwa. Welcome to Puffwa. Well, I guess these people wouldn't have listened before because if they think we're going to talk about well, if the, they made this far, Battlefront or whatever the hell the name of the show was. If they made it this far, <laughs> they're not going anywhere. Now we're actually about to celebrate our fifth anniversary. Puffwa is a kindergartner. Puffwa uh-huh. will turn. There's a little bit of a debate about Puffwa's actual birthday. Puffa must be adopted. The first Puffa episode came out February 13th of 2007. So this coming February is the 15th anniversary of the podcast. But the forum opened two weeks earlier. So I don't know actually when we started. Because that's okay. when I met Jen and she published her first novel, you know, which was basically Jen saying hi. Hello, I'm Jen. And now five years later, I'm, I just mailed Lee his godson, you know, gift basket for Christmas. Yeah, chances are this episode will be coming out on December 24th. Merry Christmas. Wow. This is the first Christmas episode where we aren't singing, though, isn't it? So this we, is we can Christmas sing if you want episode. to, Ryan. This is the puff. No, you don't want to ask Ryan Christmas to sing. special. Oh, I'll we sing. need to sing. We need to sing. Where's that Jewish song we sang on Power for Quickly? I'll sing that. <laughs> Hava <Okay>. Nagila. Hava Nagini. She's a giant. She's a giant. Oh my God! There was a little bit of a delay on that one. No, what was the so thing I had to read? For us. Julia snorted something. Do you mean the um, Hanukkah song? Hanukkah, oh Hanukkah, let's light a menorah. No. no. <laughs> Call Julia, she'll know it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, can we find a Jew, please? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> All right, so... So, Babylon 5, Babylon huh? 5. P.S., feel free to um, be shocked and awed. Now, the thing which I appreciate was in P.S.'s former um, episodes that she did with us, every time we recorded a new episode, P.S. said, now it's getting really, really, really good, and we'd stop recording. Damn, that was shit. Now it's getting really, really good, and then I dropped the show. (laughs) Then she dropped the show. I dropped the show much like Sheridan was dropped into the ground. He wasn't dropped. You threw yourself into the ravine to escape the awfulness that is Babylon 5. I couldn't connect them anywhere else because one was transitive and the other was intransitive. 
She's Very good. So let, let's start with a better question. Why did you finally decide to give up on it? You tried and tried and tried to make me happy, to make Ryan happy. But the show better. isn't about making us happy. It's about making <laughs> you happy. So why did you try to do it for so long and what finally pushed you over the edge? I just came to the, this, the end of this big dramatic finale and I realized that I didn't really care about any of the characters. Yeah. I didn't know what was going on. Well, that's I didn't care if the guy died the when he jumped into the hole. Well, that, so, that's a little downer moment. I'm happy about that because you didn't like John. Didn't? Oh, okay. Okay. I don't even remember if I liked him or not. We should cut that because this is kind of a downer moment to start on <laughs> as we discuss well, it. We hate it. But, you know, in terms of the whole thing, I think, like, P.S. Loves Caprica, I never. I didn't like any of the. People. It just didn't click for me. I just couldn't get into it. I, I love really... Boss on Stars, new show with Kevin Love it. I Do you realize every... I haven't watched what the second the half of What the hell is Boss on Stars? Bo- well, Stars is the most... a network. Boss it's is kind a... of boring. Oh, I thought you were... I thought, okay, I've heard of the show Boss. I thought I just thought you said I, Boss on I love Stars. The show. Like, that was the name of the show. I think I hate literally every single person on it. But I think I just I like Kelsey Grammer's acting, so it, it's it's. But I there was no redeeming character on it, and it's the same thing. I I, I thought Caprica was was a, a very intelligently written show for which I didn't like anybody. So I think that was probably why I stopped. Well, you know, I'm sorry. I don't when really love the characters of Caprica either. When the star just, of your show is Eric Stoltz, it's going to be kind of a stilted show. Well, I'm no, sorry. I didn't like 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 Amanda pissed me off. I didn't like I didn't like uh, I can't even remember Eric Stoltz's name. I didn't like Eric Stoltz. I didn't like Amanda. I mean, no, he's he was not Amanda. Michael oh, Greystone, Daniel Greystone, Daniel Greystone. I didn't like Bill Ad- uh, Joseph Adama. I didn't like there was there was no one in the show. Although. P.S. Like, the Adamas are the only people I care about. PS, the Adamas sh- are the reason we're watching the- I was watching the show. P.S. There's a new show on NBC called Grimm, which is co-starring uh, Sam. Is Sam- I just Sam- haven't had a chance to watch it. Sam is on that. It's not very good, but Sam is on it. As okay. a friend, as a friend of mine told me today, I watched this show. At least it's better than Grimm, which I also watched. So apparently it's, <laughs> it's a depressing season. Someone just opened a door. No, I'm sorry. I'm trying to fish out the charger, and it just made it hit the wall. That's fine. But it's good. It's plugged in That's now. I thought the cats were attacking. We should, make, we should play a game of Guess the Noise. Guess the Noise. <laughs> P.S. Reindeer. Well, if you hear like a weird... If you hear a weird scratching noise, Chuck is determined to lick the hell out of the pillow, which makes that now, weird noise. how does Chuck meow? Wow. <laughs> we, have, like we have Sammy, who's like nine pounds. She's this little rug rat. And as soon as I come to the door and she doesn't know it's me, she barrels up to the door to protect the house, apparently. Chuck is 16 pounds of solid muscle. He hides under the desk. It's very cute. So Chuck is very high-pitched. So Chuck makes that noise. So enough about my cats. Babylon 5. So season 4, I think, is probably the most action-packed season. We've discussed many times about five or six... Actually, I don't remember when exactly... I think right when the series, the season started, Joe Straczynski was told that PTEN, the syndication channel or network, or however we're describing it, the network, was shutting down operations. The show was to go off the air after a year and close down your story a year early because four seasons is all you're going to get. So that was that. So he had to take two years worth of storylines. I'm sorry, someone's making noise. I'm not sure who... Of course, now, it's, now it stops when I say it. 
Because everybody is secretly, illicitly doing things, and then we're on Ryan. Daniel is struggling not to bang Aaron trying to type while he's talking, and he talks louder to disguise the fact that he is typing. (laughs) Exactly. Like, hey, what do you guys think of Babylon 5? I thought it was great. Can we put that in the the credits for P.S. saying that? That (laughs) Yes, yes, we can. (laughs) Everything negative that she's ever said. We'll just go with that. So he had to close up shop a year early. He had to dump a major plot line he had planned for season five, obviously, to get mm-hmm. that to work. Uh, he heavily implied a major plot line from season five. He just implies somehow in the season that that happens. And he kind of moves everything forward a few episodes. So a plot line that would take five episodes, he gets done in three, and he's banging the stuff out. Very few, I don't think really any. I'm struggling to even think if there's any bottle shows in the season or one-offs. I don't think there are. He just, he, he bangs the whole thing out, bangs out the last episode of the season, gets it all done a year early. It's kind of cut. You can tell it's compressed, but it makes perfect sense. They have the rap party, everyone's happy, and then they get renewed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So... Part of the reason I think season four is so action-packed and good, and I can, I, I've watched it six months ago, I watched it ten years ago, and I can tell you anything about it, is because season five isn't very good, because no. I think he was off his game. Uh, we can tell by the end of the season that Claudia Christian leaves the show, Susan Ivanova leaves the show, so he had to introduce a replacement character. Uh, he had to basically... He couldn't, in past seasons, you've had a lot of tension building and carried over into a new season. The, the, everything had to start from scratch in the new season, so it very much feels like a reset. New characters coming in, lots of bottle shows and one-offs right out of the gate. It's just, it just it doesn't flow at all. And I don't understand why it had to be that way, because there were plenty of plot elements left over that could have been brought to the forefront and said, okay, now that all of that has been dealt with, let's deal with the rest of this stuff. I really think it was because TNT picked up the show, and I was struggling to remember this today, because they made TNT picked up the show and they made four movies, four TV movies, and Claudia Christian's actually in two of them. One of them takes place in season four. And based on the characters on the station at the time it takes place, it takes place in the first 30 seconds of the episode Atonement, because it's the only, where Delenn goes home to Mimbar, because it's the only time in the entire season that the, the, the events line up. So it took place, like, literally in the blink of an eye, apparently. But, uh, so there's that movie, there's a flashback movie that tells the story of the shadow... I'm sorry, of the Mimbari War from Londo's perspective 20 years in the future as the Emperor of Centauri Prime. He tells a story of the, of the Mimbari War to a bunch of children. And there were two movies to follow. And one of them starring Martin Sheen, which is awesome if you want to picture President Bartlett in Ooh. purple makeup. But the, I like Mar- Oh my gosh, what was he playing? He played a soul hunter. He played uh, in the very oh. se- first second episode. There was a soul. Wait, hunter. he was the soul hunter. He plays the another. Soul hunter? No, he plays another soul hunter. Oh, okay. Yes, that was not Marvin Sheen. You, you okay, did. okay, okay. I know you slept through much. You did not sleep through Marvin. Sheen. No, I know. I was, like, if, if that was Marvin Sheen, I thought we would have talked about it. Yes, that would have come up. I would have made the Marvin Sheen joke, but um, <laughs> and. Now, Claudia Christian's in two of them, so I was actually trying to remember my history today, and I believe what happened was that TNT picked the show, the the show was canceled, and they said, we'll do a couple follow-up movies, and she signed on for those, and then there was a lot of uh, wank and animosity between Claudia Christian and the producers over time off and money, and each of them tells 
you know, their side of the story about how the other one screwed them over. But long story short, I, reading both of them, I know who I think was right. But reading over them, and, you know, with everything that happened, Claudia Christian leaves the show at the end of season four. She's in a couple of those movies. But what happened was they they, they filmed the last episode. The, the show has an ending. It's, it's absolutely the last episode of the show. And they get picked up for season five. So, like, crap, we finished the show. You know, with Claudia Christian, we did everything. So what they do is they take the last episode of the show, they stick it on ice for a year, and they film the first episode of season five, and they air it as the season four finale, and then continue onward. So the challenge, if you're listening to this, if you are, you know, watching along with the podcast, you can right now go and watch the last episode of Babylon 5. And that's the way they intended it to air. You saw Deconstruction of Falling Stars. You didn't really need that. You could finish the show now as it was originally intended to air. Part of me thinks that might be better, but there are, there is some good stuff in Season 5 you'd miss. But that's kind of the behind-the-scenes mm-hmm. story of how it blew up. Now, Death Row's about to fall asleep because I've been monologuing for 27 minutes. So Death Row? No, it's fine. You're right. Season 5 is bad. There are is some good stuff in there, but... Like in season four, they compressed a five-episode plot down to three. Here they have a three-episode plot, and they stretch it out to 11 episodes. Literally 11. And it's just it, – literally. And it's so god-awful, it should have been dealt with much more quickly. You actually saw a clip of that in one of the episodes for this yep. – you see Sheridan on the announcement thing saying, you know, we will not submit to terrorism. And, you know, that whole plot line takes up way too much time in season five. And I feel that it should have been one of maybe two or three major plots going on there. Exactly. I feel you could have you could have brought the Psychor in more. You could have dealt with it differently. The thing that JMS... Um, the thing that JMS, I think, did, and this is that we were talking about The Golden Compass earlier and why it was such a terrible movie, and I think someone mentioned, or I, I think it was read on, I read it online somewhere, that the ending of The Golden Compass, the book, was much more definitive, but someone mentioned... That it went they, on. They ended the movie before the book ends. And what, the they, reason they did that was they held, they're like, we're going to hold back this material for the next one. We're going to hold back this... No, well, actually, The Golden Compass kind of... Have you read the book? I haven't. It ends... It's kind of a downer ending. Okay. It's not really the kind of ending that you would expect in, like, what they were marketing it as, like a family Christmas movie. Okay. Well, what happened was, I think JMS, he held back... He had... There, there's so much good stuff he has to tell. And I think his... The, the thing that maybe... And I have a great deal of respect for him, but I think what he may have done was he held back really good stuff to tell it later in a better format. And because he did that, what made it to the screen wasn't as satisfying that it pushed people away and weakened the chance that he would ever have the opportunity to tell the other story. So I feel like there was, when you get to the end of season five, you're going to say, well, what about this? What about this? Are you kidding me? You, you were supposed to, what, what about this story? And, and the response was, go read the books. It's all in there. And then you act, and a lot of people got pissed by that. They're like, you know, you, you just spent 11 episodes watching, you know, Dandruff. Why did we not do it then? So then they go and read the books. And one of the best stories still isn't in there. It, like, it, it tells right before the big thing and right after the big, but it's still not in there because I think he was holding out for a movie to tell that. And he never got it. So I feel like a lot of it is just unfortunate pacing and maybe selection. What we get, there's a lot of good stuff there, but that's just the aggravating factor. I wish be- better time 
but there was I wish it was better use of the time that he had because I feel like a lot of the cops. He he needs to attend some classes on time management. I well, part of me, you know what it is? I have such respect for the guy and think he's such a terrific writer. I mean, he wrote so much of this himself. I think season four, he wrote the entire thing himself, which is like mm-hmm. unheard. Of. Like season three and season four, I think he missed one episode. And I think part of the reason season five feels different, which we'll get to next time, is that he let other people in there that write and help relieve the stress, and it just didn't feel like him. So there were mm-hmm. there were weird selections. You know this too. It's the the thing with the universe is we were always saying it, it's a very realistic universe, and you have you know Nightwatch, and you have the lurkers down below, and the homeless, and it, it's, and universe today. Yeah, it's Star Trek. It's not Star Trek. It's you know these are realistic. This is a realistic view of what the future could look like with the, with the problems that go along with it. But at the same time, none of the offices had doors. You know, what I mean, it's like you would think you know it's the president's office and you put stick a door on it or something. Like it just it it's it just that felt a little weird. Like really, you know, security is such a big deal, but people can just come and go as they please if they can get into the area. Like parts of it felt off, and it was it, the the first example I can remember that is in the episode Endgame where the Earth war comes to an end and, and, and the and the White Star fleet and, and the um, Alien Alliance, Sheridan's Alliance, reach Earth and President Clark commits suicide. And you have the senator and her band of rebels kick the president's door in as he shoots himself. And she walks in and she finds the note, which she instantly interprets to me. Yeah, she instantly figures out exactly what it means. He's going to score- to Earth. Sc- Earth. scorch Earth. Scorch Earth. Earth. Yeah, and then she makes the leap. He's going to turn the defense grid at Earth and destroy the planet or obliterate most of the surface of the planet. And she calls Sheridan to warn him. And then she says, if you don't stop them, they'll fire in 10 minutes. Now, number one, from a pacing issue, why the hell would you wait? say there's a 10-minute wait? Number two, how the hell do you know it's going to take 10 minutes for the system to fire? Like it's, it just seemed because that's part of the operating parameters. It no. takes ten minutes for the lasers to warm up. And then, okay, so then you have the whole band of ships, right? And they're coming at the planet, the whole fleet, and the defense grid is firing at the ships. And when you look at these ships, there's a Membari ship, then there's an Earth ship, and then there's the fight. They're coming in in close formation, and they're being pummeled by the Earth's defense grid, and they're shooting back, and they're taking out the defense grid. So then. Sheridan gives the order, take out the defense grid before it takes other. So we're shooting back. And every shot, there's a White Star here, and there's a Star Fury, and there's a Membari flyer over there, and they're all shooting. And then Sheridan is on the Agamemnon. And the Agamemnon's captain says, there's one platform left, and it's about to take out the eastern seaboard. To which I remember watching this with my father, saying, oh, shit, because I live on the east coast. We're very concerned. And Sheridan gives the order to ram it. We're going to take out the Agamemnon, but we're going to save the East Coast and save all these people, and there's no other ships in sight, and there's no one else in range, and I'm like, there were just 75 ships right next to you, the White Swords are pretty fast, so like, the whole, it's like... Yeah, but I'm, that that's always happens in anything sci-fi, because the Enterprise is always the only ship within range of some big disaster, no, but, always. Yeah, I know that, but the space dock and going to take a quick trip around Jupiter. Distress yeah. call, we're the only ship no, in the range. But, yeah. that, that but, but, but if the in the preceding it's... shot there were 27 ships floating next to it in space dock, it doesn't make sense. So, like, even if the way it worked out, if they had... Okay, the defense grid is all around the planet, right? And say there, you know, there's no reason we should target all these platforms and give them a chance to shoot with us. We'll keep together in tight formation and we'll take out the nearest 
platform. Well, they keep him in tight formation because the screen is only so big. But, you know, the thing with JMS is he can always make an argument and say, here's why they did that. This is why it makes sense. This is why the universe holds together. So my thing was, why they could have put a line in saying all ships span out, take out the defense, surround the whole planet. So then the ships have to go in different directions, and that's why the Agamemnon maybe is the only ship in range. They could have easily span out. (laughs) You know what I mean? That could have solved that problem. The whole thing about 10 minutes, you could have said it's going to start firing any second because on screen, it, they started warming up immediately. So, I mean, there were li- there were little things like that li- littered throughout the next... Like, in the next episode to, we get in season five, the, the season premiere is called No Compromises, there is a moment where a character just does the stupidest thing imaginable. There's absolutely no reason why they do it. It blows up in their face, and there's no mention of it. And I can hear Death Roll screaming because the plot said so from the ceiling. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> Like there's moments. Well, where it did say it? so. You can't do that without saying. We, we didn't. There will be a moment in the next episode because people listening to this haven't seen it yet, where everyone will be in a room, okay, and something will mm-hmm. happen in that room, but everything's mm-hmm. fine. Something happened. We dealt yeah. with it. Everything's fine. Okay. So inexplicably, every character says, "Let's go to a whole different room with a bay window," and then they get to the room with the bay window, and then something endangers them from the bay window. It's like, well, if you just stayed where you were a second ago, you would have been, why do you have to run to the room with the bay window? It, it just, it made no, there was no reason to have that. It's like, it, it's, that's something I think that starts happening more and more. Characters just do weird things. Irrational things. For no apparent Because reason. I wish to look out the window. What is the problem? Yeah, I mean, that's just, I mean, there was, an, there's not, okay, in this season, there's an episode uh, called Epiphanies. It's right after the Shadow War ends. And mm-hmm. the White Star, um, one of the White Stars, goes to Zahadum with Bester. And I believe don't go to Zahadum. Well, they go to Zahadum. <laughs> if you go to Zahadum, <laughs> you will die. They go to Zahadum with Bester, and Leda comes along. And as soon as they mm-hmm. get to Zahadum, Zahadum blows up. And Sheridan yep. pulls Lita aside and says, the thing I'd never believe in is coincidence. And I don't believe that the moment we happen to show up, was the moment the planet happened to blow up and she, of course, Lita did something to, to trigger the planet blowing up. Now, moments before in the episode, President Clark had started to blockade Babylon 5 to cut off its supply lines. So mm-hmm. we learned that he will ambush some of his own fighters. He'll use the the, um, the Black Omega Squadron, the, the telepaths, I believe. I think that's Besser Squadron. Yes. He will use them yes. to um, uh, he'll he'll use the Psycor to take down um, Earth Force patrols, and then he'll blame Babylon Five for the unwarranted attack on Earth Force patrols. So Ivanova leads a team to basically rescue their own, you know, th- their own enemy to, to, to save face and to save their lives and everything. And just as the Black Omegas are about to pummel the Earth Force ships, the Babylon 5 squadron comes barreling out of the jump gate screaming, it's a trap, take cover, and, and saves the day. I'm like, okay. And they believe them. Coincidentally, you arrived just in the nick of time to save them. 
but you don't believe that coincidentally you arrived just as the planet happened to be blowing up. Things have been happening dramatically for you. Delenn showed up with the, with the, with the Mimbari cruisers coincidentally just as Babylon Five was about to fall to Earth in Severed Dreams. It's like things have been happening like that for a long time. Really, now you're going to start getting suspicious. <laughs> so that, like, it's like you're not supposed to notice these things when they happen because you're a fictional character. So that was. Little moments like that when the show starts to look in on itself kind of annoy me. But overall, I think that season four was probably the high season for the show. Now, I know Danielle says that because Danielle wished she had a little thing going on with Marcus. Well, I mean, come on. Marcus is amazing. Now, what happened was... I don't like the end of season four because... Well, I I just don't like it. He dies. (laughs) He dies. And what happened? But you know what? He goes out on a high note. I mean, he saves. He does. Saves Susan. Danielle, do you remember what happened the first time you watched it? Yeah, I was like, he's not dead. (laughs) No, what happened was. I refuse to believe it. No, 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 no. What happened? That's what I did with Sirius. I thought for sure that Sirius wasn't dead; that he couldn't be dead. That's not because who would die from falling through a curtain? Why? What? What happened? Am I remembering? We watched the episode. The episode, for those of you who don't remember, ends with Susan is dying. Yeah. And and I almost just said Sirius takes her back to Babylon Five. So Marcus takes her back to Babylon Five and plugs her into Franklin's uh, machine he borrowed from June Lockhart back in season two, the machine that transfers. Oh, the transferring life machine. And and he plugs himself into it and he gives his life energy to save the critically injured Susan. And he looks up to her and he says, "We've just found out anyone who does this would, would 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 surely die." And he looks at her and says, "I love you." And closes his eyes and and scene and credits. And I looked at Danielle and I'm like, I didn't want to tell you that, you know, that he, he died. So I was trying to make sure I didn't spoil you. And she looks over at me with big puppy dog eyes. He died? <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh, all right. Even when you try not to spoil you. I spoil. don't. I never spoil. I don't even go there. I don't spoil. That is funny. The only one who doesn't spoil. But... <laughs> well, I think I was hoping that he had to, he had to just give enough of his energy that like she would live, but that he could live too. Now, what what eventually happened was that's what made no sense to me. Find like wait, three what is or a dozen energy? or like what is scientifically in series glucose. I have no idea. But the thing too was, I think if he had had someone maybe there with him, they could have turned the machine off. Or, you know what, from a literary standpoint... He kept draining after he was unconscious, and that's why he died. Yeah, I mean, could they have done the same thing they did with Garibaldi and everyone gave 5% and brought her back, or does it need the ultimate sacrifice to save someone who's going to die anyway? I think they implied it needed the ultimate sacrifice. But Jason, None of this is very scientific, is it, Death Row? Not, not, Mr. Science? No, not. Now, Jason Carter went up to, almost just said Joe Rowling. Okay, serious but... <laughs> Susan back to Babylon 5, and Jason Carter went up to Joe, Joe Straczynski, Joe Rowling, basically very same person except for the beard, and went up to, went up to Joe, and there, there's, I, I forget if the reference is comes later, or if the reference is actually in Rising Star, but there's a reference to, is he really dead? Will he be, like, cryogenically frozen? Will you do something with him? And he asked Joe his fate. Now, this is the end of season four. This is when they're being canceled. He's like, well, here's the deal. If we, if we get canceled... You're dead. <laughs> if we get a fifth season, you're cryogenically frozen with the ability to bring you back. And they, they <laughs> unfortunately, during season 11, they decided to have an 11 episode arc about dandruff. Season 11? Season 5. 11, five. it felt like season 11. Season 5, there was that, that long 
I still maintain that PS would love season five. That's the thing I, we were thinking. Should we're thinking, I skip to season five? You could. Honestly, Should I just PS, try here's the deal. For that? It's a win-win. Because if you don't like it, we're going to agree with you. If you like it, you like something that we like. We can't lose. But we don't really like season five. Well, we like bits and pieces. Well, I mean, you have what's that? What's that telepath's name? The one that drives me nuts. Byron. Byron. Ugh. <laughs> it's a season of Byron. I hate that guy. I'm gonna put. I'm gonna put the first season. Or now I'm doing it. The first season of disc five. Whatever. Byron in the opening credits. Byron, because he really. He mm, no, I don't actually think he would. Let's not get too much into season five. All right, we have yeah, all yeah. season four to talk about. We're talking about season five. But season four is good. Season four <laughs> is good. See, so if you were listening to this and if you're like, oh my god, Babylon Five is perfect. I don't want to tarnish it with anything. You can go right now and watch the last episode of season five and be fine. And and that is how the show was originally put together to end when they thought they had to end it. Now, what would have happened originally, Joe said, was if he got, if he knew he would get year five, or if he had done it the way he intended, it would have ended with the events about intersections of real time with Sheridan captured by Earth, being tortured with the Earth conflict heating up. It the, the season would have ended not with that episode, but with that plot line. So you can kind of stretch everything out, you know, however many episodes were five. See, ending the season with intersections in real time would have been awesome. It would have ended See, with... I, um, I found, like, this episode guide because I had to, like, remind myself of what was happening in season four. Mm-hmm. And I don't know who I don't know who wrote this episode guide, but intersections in real time is the only episode they gave an F and said you must skip it. <laughs> what? Yeah, I don't know. It says an entire what? show where Sheridan is tortured and questioned, pretty much a complete waste of time, and then in big letters, skip. <laughs> oh, just like, oh my gosh, just like the no stupid way. other one where he was tortured and questioned. Is that the one where, wait, is this the one where, like, freaking, you know, um, Jack Ripper. he's in the room, and they give him yes. the stuff, and it makes him puke all night, and then, yeah. like, he, yeah, okay, yes, I remember the, this one. Yeah, that's that one. Yeah, P.S. has a hard time. With, no. No, so the one thing I will say is... The Netflix show- says this show is dark, exciting, and imaginative. Do you agree? <laughs> Don't answer that yes. question. We need new viewers. Yes, yes, we do. No, because the no, show intersections ran- in real time is just an amazing episode, well, you know and because, I don't see because the show. Yeah, ran- it's weird. It's the only one that this whoever this guy is who wrote it. He hated it, and he didn't like the illusion of truth either. Well, he obviously didn't illusion understand what was, was going actually- on in the episode because there weren't people shooting at each other and yeah. ships flying around. <laughs> and illusion CGI of truth and- wasn't very good either because Sheridan was an idiot. In illusion that one got a D, but illusion- all the rest get like illusion of truth <laughs> is the one where ISN came to the station. Yep. Asked, can we please interview you? And Sheridan said the stupidest thing I've ever heard. He says, we're going to speak in short declarative sentences so they can't misuse what we say. Let me get this straight. So they can record saying, do you think Hitler should be reincarnated? Yes. No, that's why you don't speak in short declarative sentences. They can make it easier to plug and play. But anyway, there's um, a lot of fans of Babylon 5 were also fans of Star Trek, which ran at the same time. And there was an episode of Star Trek called, it was, <laughs> I wish Aaron was here. It was uh, season six, Next Generation, Chains of Command. It was a two-parter where Picard is captured by the Cardassians and he's tortured in much the same manner that Sheridan is tortured. You love that I went there. 
in uh, Intersections of Real Time. And I actually think the Star Trek episode was much superior because Captain Picard was broken to some degree, whereas Sheridan just kept he was the you know the the, the action hero. I'll just keep saying no, and that was kind of where it. it, it I thought it would have been more interesting if there was. A, how long did they have? Picard, as opposed to how long they had um, Sheridan. They they didn't really kind of say you got the impression maybe a few days. I would say maybe a pro- I, I don't think it would be hard to say it would probably be as long as Sheridan was held. It, it, I thought it was a while. He, I that, think I know which one you're talking about. I, yeah, I didn't realize. Well, in that episode, Captain Picard's captured at the end of an episode. Uh, Worf and Dr. Crusher escape. The next episode, Worf and Dr. Crusher just made it back to the Enterprise. Yeah, I was going to say, it's like a... Yeah, it's one episode. They, they're doing a mission to try and save him while Picard's being tortured. By the end of the episode, they get him back. Yeah, so yeah. maybe a few days. What they did in yeah, the other episode was they showed Picard uh, four lights, and they told him to say that there were five, which would indicate that he was broken. And by the very end, they offered him, you know, an end to the torture, food. He, he could, you know, study, read, have women, whatever he wanted. And he... He got up and gallantly said there are four lights and was marched out to his ship because he was rescued. And then at the end of the episode, he tells someone, I could actually see five lights by the end. And, that, and the, just that little moment. And, and the, that was my thing on this episode. I'm like, okay, and Sheridan is an action hero and resists. That was the only thing. I, I wish it showed more psychologically what happened to Sheridan or, or really pushed his character a little bit more. But I think it was abbreviated because we didn't have a lot of time. So we had basically one episode to focus on that. Yeah, in one episode, it was all him, and I yeah. think that what we get the experience of is the other interrogators coming in, um, and I, I must say, I just loved that at the end, where you think he's going to die, and it's all a trick, and he just sits down, uh, are you taking any medications? Yep. Have you had any trouble with your heart? Yep. In the Drazi. <laughs> in the Drazi, it was implied that the Drazi was working for them, the Drazi that he thought. Yep. Yep. And that Drazi is Wayne Alexander, who is actually Jack the Ripper, who P.S. doesn't like Wayne Alexander played everybody on Babylon Five, so he played the anybody with a mask. Anyone with a yeah. mask was played by Lorian Wayne Alexander. Mm-hmm. What I one that I'm just obviously we're doing an entire season tonight, so we're bouncing around. I always, and we're not doing a very good job. <laughs> we're doing it horribly, but you're still here. What I did love was they reworked. I remember. Let's see if I remember episode titles here. Uh, Into the Fire is the end of the Shadow War. Danielle, what's the episode right before Into the Fire? The Long Night. The Long Night, um, when Sheridan gives. Um, the, reads about the letter Sinclair left in his desk before he left. I remember they had to rework that episode and they had to move a scene around. So there's actually a scene where Ivanova says we have to get back to Babylon 5 and then rejoin the fleet and it's implied they have to refuel or something. It was actually taken from another episode. They moved it. But she's having a discussion with Lorianne who's five billion years old, whatever. And she's having a discussion with him about love. And he says, love is finite. Love is something that will eventually burn out. If you love something, eventually you will stop. And the greatest gift that humans and humanoids have is that because you don't live very long, to you, love is forever. And that's the greatest gift that you can have and one that I can't because I don't die. I always thought that was just a really interesting concept. And I've always, that's always stuck with me ever since I heard that. 
So that was one of the things I think that Joe wrote very, very well. And it really runs counter to a theme that you see in so much where love is. Love conquers all and love conquers. It was the thing with Love can kill Voldemort and, you know. (laughs) I actually put that fic in my Kindle because I figured I might want to punish myself someday and read the the fic. Wait, what fic are you talking about? The one where Harry discovers the power of love and he. he Basically, he hugs Voldemort and he dies. That's basically the plot of it. (laughs) But, um. Funny, I was watching Order of the Phoenix the other day. You, you'll you never know love, and I feel sorry for you. <laughs> yeah, that is, that was really... <laughs> Well, I just love in um, Half-Blood Prince where he's like, it's hard. So hard. I'm like, you were so British. But, um, no, I... <laughs> I, I just think that's a great because the thing about JMS, which I I love about the guy, is that he he's an atheist who writes a religion better than anyone I've ever met. Or, because he's analyzed it. Yeah, and he but you would like in, like Delenn and her love of the universe and higher powers and, and so there's there's so much the show can really feed your faith and he he's an atheist. I just I just think that's so. I mean, he could he could have written this from such a completely different way and he didn't and yeah, but look, the thing is hun, is that atheism isn't not so much about a lack of faith it's, it's a lack of a higher belief in a higher lack power. of maybe a belief in god but he's not an agnostic it's not right, like he doesn't but, believe in anything yeah that's true but he writes about people who have faith in, in a higher power very well like delenn has faith in the universe yeah you can take that so many ways i mean it yeah, what does she mean when she says that? I mean, <laughs> I forget if Delenn said this. Uh, Delenn, okay, Danielle, you're now Delenn. Um, I, I enjoyed you in Lost. Um, th- there's um, a scene in the in the very <laughs> beginning of season five where they have obviously we know they begin an interstellar alliance and they have to basically write the constitution or the declaration of principles for it. And Danielle was so moved by the writing, Janice's writing for what this alliance will stand for, that when she was in church, she I remember she did a program um, you know for kids in the church and she wanted to use it. <laughs> And I remember, I'm like, you changed it a little bit, right? She's like, yeah, because there's references in it to, like, you know, the Narn and the Zendor. Yeah, I have to take out anything referencing the aliens. But really, (laughs) once you take out specific aliens, it, like, really worked really well. Because it was like, you know, we come down to that fundamental principle that we must be kind to each other. Be excellent to each other. Yeah. Like, that was mainly what I wanted to use. It was it was so good. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So, anyway, that's just something I thought was great, that you can, be, like Death said, you can write the opposite of anything you've read before. Where lo- your love is going to burn out at some point, but, unfor- but fortunately for you, you'll be dead by then. <laughs> I mean, that's... <laughs> Thank you, Jay. So, so, in a way, he's saying that love does last longer than... <laughs> death it does continue into death love has a natural lifespan yeah and you won't and it's longer than yours well it's interesting <laughs> like what you like if you lived a billion years would you have the same wife for a billion years would you have the same job for a billion like how would it's just it's fascinating to think and he put that little scene while they're literally like you know changing their shoes before they go off to war and i just thought that was that was just a really cool little moment right there what I also liked in the early episodes is you have this, you know, the season begins, Sheridan's been lost as a Hadoom, Ivanova's in charge of the station, but Ivanova's lost all hope, Delenn is basically starving herself to death, and, um, you know, she'll see Sheridan where, you know, shadows fall, you know, where no shadows fall. The Alliance is coming apart because of the loss of this one person, and... That... They- 
doesn't really make any sense to me, though, because wasn't he supposed to be that if you kill him, someone would take his place? But they're human and they're sad. <laughs> so, and they did. She's a Minbari. But they, but but she's well, no, no, she's not like, actually. But they do, Minbari. they do pull it together. They do pull it together, and Delenn decides we are going to form a fleet and we are going to attack Zahadum. And she begins pulling allies together for the attack. And what I loved about that was they never do that. It's a complete red herring. Communism is just a red herring. But I do like in TV shows and in books and stories where characters come up with ideas that may never happen. But that's how people think. Let's try this. And before you get there, no, we're changing planet. We're going over here now. Sometimes stories tend to be a little bit too tight and too exact and you don't add anything in unless you're going to go there. I kind of liked that Delenn had this idea and then it's not really working well because she's not really ready to do this. Not the one. And then Sheridan shows up with Lorian and re-energizes everyone and says, okay, take all those forces. We're going to do this instead. And we're going to go, you know, we're going to save Coriana six instead and, and the war. I thought that was really cool that they were building to something they never did, but it reinforced that you know Sheridan would swoop in and do, also swooped in coincidentally at the moment he was needed the most. Are you p- picking this up here? Well, that's an awfully big coincidence. Did someone tip him off? <laughs> exactly. Well, the thing that always cracks me up is it Lor- was the plot. Lorian has a very okay. I'm going to say <laughs> because this. the plot says so. We're saying you know season two of D- disc five, season two, whatever you were saying earlier, we're getting all our lines crossed tonight. I'm going to say this very carefully, because I don't want there to be any misinterpretation. You actually said it correctly. I know! I was trying to screw it up! I couldn't do it! Lorian has a very large ship. I want to say that, because I almost screwed it up in my head. And I love the scene where he's barreling towards the station in his ship, and he's going towards the docking bay, and I'm looking at this, I'm like, that thing's never going to fit into the docking bay. <laughs> and they cut scene just as it's cl- I'm like, the ship is too big, it's not gonna f- and then it becomes a whole different ship is too big. If I walk, the movie will be over. A they used a shuttlecraft. They used a- no, the ship fits in, but you know the- <laughs> <laughs> I love stuff like that. It's like well it's well based on the, the shape and design of the docking bay, it takes on a whole different life of its own, unfortunately. But Oh it did. And we find Mr. Garibaldi. Mr. Garibaldi Yes. Which, Whatever which, happened to Mr. Garibaldi? Yeah, that's the thing. P.S. never found out what happened to Mr. Garibaldi. Yeah, I wonder. I well, she didn't that. even know he'd been kidnapped, so she, she didn't yeah, want to bother her. Yeah, I didn't her. notice that, actually. You yeah. did know that she was trying to watch it on her phone. Yeah, I was watching it on my phone on Netflix streaming, Netflix screaming app. Just, I think this is why she didn't like the show. She watched it on too small of a screen. Watch it on a big TV and you'll like it better. So the episode, whatever happened to Mr. Garibaldi? I'm going to start season five. It's at the top uh, of my list. I love that you skip season four because of season five. This is at the top of your list. This just fascinates me. So, well, I just uh, put it at the top of my list because we were talking about it. I, and I thought I would contribute at a later date to a podcast about season five. So Mr. Garibaldi with the dented head goes missing. And Zach... Why is he with the dented head? He, my, Jerry Doyle has a dented head. Peter Jurassic noticed it on one of the commentaries. So you have Garibaldi missing, and Zach tracks him down, and Jakar 
is going to go look for Mr. Garibaldi because he was a de- he, he's Mr. Garibaldi's friend and everyone's worried about Sheridan and everyone's worried about the war, but no one's worried about Garibaldi. So Jakar is going to leave the safety of Babylon 5 where he has asylum and he's going to go and look for Mr. Garibaldi. And Marcus follows him and, and helps him out and Jakar is captured by the Centauri and Mr. Garibaldi is actually found by Zack. He's found on a ship which coincidentally falls right into their lap and he is brought back. Yeah, they inject him right before they blow up or something. Yep, and he's brought back to Babylon 5, but it doesn't make a lot of sense and it's just weird, but they find Mr. Garibaldi. And we meet Emperor Cartaja. He's nuts! He's nuts! He's the Emperor of the Centauri who's been referenced since the beginning of Season 2. He took over for the former Emperor who died and whose um, Prime Minister was taken out by Lord Mm -hmm. Rafa. And this guy is... He's he, he he's knocking futs. This guy yeah. is out of his gourd, and he he's young and he talks to decapitated heads. One of which was played by Andreas Casulis. One of the heads was Jakar. Really? The head on the far left was Jakar. Watch it again. The head on the far left was Jakar. That's awesome. He's not. And there's a moment where Londo is now. You know, he's high up in the royal court and he's he's on Centauri Prime and he knows this guy is nuts, but he's he's going with it, and they parade in Jakar, basically strapped to a piece of wood, chained to a piece of wood, um, and they're going to humiliate him and torture him and kill him and do all these things to him. And you see this look of just disgust and shock on on Londa's face that came to this. And Jakar walks right up to to Emperor Cartagena and says, you don't happen to know where Mr. Garibaldi is, do you? (laughs) (laughs) And Cartagena's like, who? And I thought when that first aired, because Garibaldi was friends with Londo. Maybe he was trying to get the message to Londo that Garibaldi was missing, but I don't think that had anything to do with it. Maybe he, he wanted something clever to say. That was all he could come up exactly. with. And, and the guy is the guy is nuts. And in these early episodes, you have the Vorlons decide we've had this cold war with, for with, the, with the shadows for, for you know for 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 many many thousands years. of Th- years. thousand years ago. Thousands of years ago. <laughs> you know, they would fight over the kids, you know, the, over the younger races, how best to raise them. The, the Vorlons want order and the Shadows want chaos. And finally, the Shadows say this time, now that the younger races are rising up and the younger races aren't doing it our way, screw this. We are going to kill all the Shadows and we're going to kill all the younger races who cross our, you know, anyone who's ever been touched by the Shadows, we're going to exterminate you all. And that's mm-hmm. it. And the shadow and Purple Kosh is kicked off of Babylon Five, where he puts up a hell of a fight, and he is actually finally stopped by the remnants of Green Kosh, which have been in Sheridan since that night when Kosh died, and he went to Sheridan in his dream. So mm-hmm. Lorian has this great line that he brought Sheridan back to life by giving him some of his own energy, his own life force. P.S. was asking what the life force was. I believe it's glucose. But he brought he brought him back. It doesn't and, seem triphosphate. Yep, and he get in. And yeah, you have no idea what that is. And purple Kosh drains him again. I thought I thought you would explain it, Mr. Science. You tell us about life force. Yeah, it doesn't triphosphate is part of the Krebs cycle, and it's what gives your body its energy. It's the short oomph. explanation. All right, that's what it is. It's our oomph. It's the oomph. So you see the two Vorlons. Exactly. 
fighting and someone asks... Hey, Vorlon's fighting was pretty fun, though. It was pretty cool because you finally see what the Vorlons look like when there's Wait, no Did Vorlons fight with each other when they're dressed with their shower curtains on and stuff? Nope, they come no, out of the shower No, oh, they get out of their suit. They blew Purple Kosh out of his shower curtain and he's this, he's this huge energy creature with, like, tentacles and, and mm-hmm. energy web. I thought stuff. they'd have tentacles. Well, it's like, it's... She says it in, in the way she talks about Bill and Saul, but it's it's more of like... What does that mean? I, Think for a second. It, it's it's more of like an energy thing. It's not actual time. But they're fighting, and someone asks what the other Vorlon is. And I remember Lorian has this great line: "It's the last of Kosh, and some of him, meaning Sherry, and in some of me." And the, and the last of Kosh, and and the, and the contributions of Sherry and so forth, is able to destroy. Kosh, Purple Kosh, and the ship. So Kosh is now dead. Purple Kosh is dead, and you find out that Sheridan, Lorian brought Sheridan back from Zahadum, but at a price. He has twenty years to live. Yep. He he, he will one day. He will just he'll, he'll just stop. At this point, the shadows are exterminating everything, and they're going to come after the. They're going to come after Centauri Prime because Emperor Cartaja has granted the shadows sanctuary on Centauri Prime since Zahadum was damaged when the White Star exploded. And there's a great scene. JMS planned that from season one. There would be the shot of Londo standing on Centauri Prime, which was the parking lot of the studio. But he would be standing on... In the on, purple <laughs> In that purple coat that's... he had in season one. So, of course, in season two, they gave him a blue coat. So now we need to make it line up. So there was literally... There was a problem with the laundry. <laughs> so he had to wear No, no. What, what the uh, the Chamberlain or whatever says, it's a black coat. And he says it was a bit uh, travel-stained. And, yes. he, and he puts it in the... Oh, it's dirty. Yes. So Is he's that like, like ah, they do the time ah, well, travel? And that, and you see Delenn's arm or whatever. No, well, that, no, that would have made sense if they did that. Like Delenn lifts her sleeve up. Oh, I'm I mean, they sorry, couldn't I'm even find this. a red dress for her to wear to stick her arm into the shot. Well, he wasn't going to make that mistake twice now, so now he he did the thing with the with the uh, laundry malfunction. So now you have the Centauri. That was on Crusade. That was on Crusade. They they, they did script Crusade with the, with the thing. So now you have the the. He puts on the purple coat, walks outside, looks up at the sky, blocks <laughs> the sun with his hand, yes. and oh my God, it's the vision happening again, yep, it's, and it's like yeah. the same footage that they filmed previously. So now you have the Vorlons wrecking havoc across the galaxy. You have the Shadows. The Shadows, I don't believe, are engaging the Vorlons directly at this point. And Sheridan, uh, now that he has returned, he kind of is this Christ figure. He's come back from the dead. And he says, we are going to form the largest fleet in history. We're going to have every ship any of us can spare. And we are going to take the fight to them. And he picks a planet that he knows that the Vorlons are going to... I'm sorry, he picks a planet that he arranges for the Shadows to visit, and he knows that the Vorlons are going to be visiting as well, and he kind of forces them there at the same time. He has to sacrifice a a ship of rangers to do it, which is, I think, a great moment. And he basically forces everyone to fight at the same time. At the time, people wondered whether this was a pokey plot line or not, but he ends the Shadow War by saying, you, you're going to have to kill us all, and then you'll both have failed. And, you know, mm-hmm. we're not going to follow the Vorlons, we're not going to follow the Shadows, you know, all the other old races have left the galaxy, and now it's your time, too. And he guilts everybody into leaving, and when they try and kill him, when they try and destroy his White Star, all of the other Alliance ships, like, blockade in, kind of like Harry in the Great Hall there, to, um, to to protect them, and he guilts them all into leaving. So the Vorlons and the Shadows leave the galaxy forever, and mm-hmm. now it's, it's the younger races. He had said if he got more episodes, he would have made it maybe a two-parter. 
<laughs> there would have been more explosions, but maybe a two parter. Yeah, it was a bit, but I, I, it's that's the way it's meant. And his thing was, you're not going to end a war like that with bullets. It's got to be something further. And what he basically does is he gets them to admit what they're really doing, and he broadcast, sure, then broadcasts it for everyone to hear. Mm-hmm. And, and that's and that's how he does it. And there's a great moment. P.S. will love this. Two great moments. One is well, you won't love this, but I hope you will. Um, <laughs> Wait, is this in season four or season five? I'm confused. This is season four. Um, okay. Londo decides, all right, this guy is knucking futz. we got to kill the emperor. And the emperor actually, at one point, the, the way they do it is they say, bring, it's been a while, bring Shakar <laughs> to the Centauri homeworld and kill him there because it will demoralize his people. And the reason he's doing that is he's Oh my gosh, that's just going to give him time to escape. Kill him now. And what he decides... The Narn homeworld. The Narn homeworld. And what... He's on the Centauri homeworld. They want to go to the Narn homeworld and kill him there. And what Londo wants to do is Londo wants Jakar, I believe Jakar, to kill the Emperor while he's there. He wants him to. No, he wants to create a distraction. I'm sorry, distraction. Londo can kill the Emperor because it has to be a Centauri who kills the Emperor. If it's a Narn, things won't get better. They'll just get worse. You're absolutely right. And there's a moment before they leave, the Emperor doesn't like the way Jakar's looking at them, so he tells his guard to pluck out Jakar's eye. So Jakar loses an eye. Which is why twenty years Aww. in the future he's got the bandage on. So, but they, he gets a nifty new one. He gets, a, an, he gets a nifty later. new one at one point. Uh, that's a great. It's Professor Moody's eye. It is. It's, yeah. it's blue. So then, it, it was always written that Londo would kill Cartaja, and they have this needle that you can inject into his heart, and will it will stop his heart. And there'll be no sign. No one will know. They'll think he had a heart attack. Well, while he's writing it, Veer poked him in the side of the brain and said, "I'll do it." <laughs> so Veer. <laughs> Oh. Londo oh, is is, uh, is unable to do it, so Veer kills Emperor Kurtaj. But it's great the way he does it because it's just so accidental. Veerish. He basically yeah. falls onto Veer's mm-hmm. knee. Is what happens. Like he kind of like trips into him, and he's like, "Oh, I had a needle in my hand." And Veer can't. <laughs> he has trouble living with it, and yeah. he, he's he's a wreck after. And the, I'm not supposed to do these terrible things. I'm a nice guy, <laughs> you know. When I killed the emperor, and even later in the season, there's an episode: "No surrender, no retreat." Never give up, never surrender. Exactly. Straight on through the chompers. Someone comes. To, <laughs> someone comes to Veer's door. I can't remember who it is. Maybe it was Tim Allen, but someone comes to Veer's door, and he actually is sleeping, and he wakes up screaming, "I didn't do it." Well, it's good that. that that has continued play, and it's not just shrugged it off. Yeah. So he has. He has um, some difficulty living with it. But what happens is the Centauri homeworld is now about to be annihilated by the Vorlons. So what Londo does is after killing the Emperor, he Londo is now the Prime Minister. He's now in charge. So he returns to the Centauri homeworld. Who's the Emperor? The Emperor just got killed. The em- no, but who's the new Emperor? There, it doesn't work like that. So they have to, okay. the legislative body will pick a new Emperor. So in the meantime, There's no emperor. the planet's about to be <laughs> annihilated. We need someone in charge. Londo, it's you. You're the Prime Minister. So they go back to the homeworld. Well, there's no one else left. There's They've no one killed left. everybody else. There's no one left. There's the, li- there's the little um, there's the little effeminate guy who you know does the, the, the coats. He's the only guy left. Oh, so, yeah. So yeah. they go oh. back to the homeworld, and Londo orders Mr. Morthen brought before him like in chains. Mr. Morthen is still there. So Morthen is brought before him and Londo tells him, get your ships off of Centauri Prime. And Morthen says, go F yourself, we're not leaving. Because the ships are parked in the planet. And Londo <laughs> tells the guards to surround Mr. Morthen and fire, you know, he tells them just by pointing to fire alongside them and kills the shadows in the room. And Londo basically says, he presses a button on the remote control he has, 
he blows up the island. He nukes the island where all the shadow ships are, and some of the Centauri were brought out during the night, but many stayed behind knowing what was, what was being asked of them to basically not tip off the shadows that, th- that they were doing this. So he destroys all the shadows on Centauri Prime, hoping that will convince the Vorlons to turn around. And as the Vorlon ships are getting closer and closer and closer, he signals them that I have done this. And they keep coming and coming and coming. And they're about to actually blow up. They have a ship that will blow up the entire planet. And at the last moment, Londo can't figure out why they're not turning back. And Veer says there's something here that was still touched by Vorlons. And he points at Londo. Shadows. Touched by shadows. Touch, touch by the, there's so many. Touched by the shadows. And touched by a Vorlon. Touched <laughs> by a Vorlon sounds kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> that sounds like a TV show. Touched by, <laughs> touched by a Vorlon. <laughs> well, they did Vorlon. used to be angels, so it makes sense. Ha ha. That is funny. I can laugh for you. <laughs> <laughs> so Londo now is aghast at the fact that he will lead to the destruction of his planet, so he tells Veer quickly, kill me and tell them that you did it, show them, prove them to them that you did it, and Veer refuses. And by that point, the Vorlons leave because they were called away to fight against Sheridan in Sheridan's battle. There was a nifty line in there, too, about why Sheridan didn't plan his defense around Centauri Prime and instead around this planet no one's ever heard of before that was about to be destroyed. And the reason was the other planet had more people. <laughs> Because the Centauri population is declining. So yeah, but well, at that point, after all that happens, I mean, Centauri Prime is, like, devastated. No, 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 yet. no, no, not yet. That comes later. No, that comes, oh, yeah, that's that right. comes yeah. many, many years. So Centauri Prime had fewer people, but they were a greater share of GDP. Yeah, it was basically <laughs> it. So that's the line, because you would think, you know, we know who the Centauri are. We've never heard of these people before. But Sheridan Char- Char- makes a line. He's like, I'm not going to let six people. So it was like one of those little rich countries, like Monaco or something. <laughs> we had to save Qatar. Luxembourg. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and so that's where she- Londo kind of grows as a person. And it ends with Londo saying, you know, I don't think it's time for me to be emperor. You know, a lot of people are kind of still, you know, mad and, and all this, that, the other thing. So he pulls aside basically the butler and says, you're the new interim <laughs> emperor. You're the new, you're the new regent. And the guy Regis. is obsessed with redecorating the palace in pastels. And you find out he's this happy-go-lucky little Centauri, never heard the fly. And within an episode, he is given one of the keepers on his shoulder that yes. uh, that mm-hmm. Londo had 17 years in the future in his vision from last season. So the shadows have now basically more than warns him that the shadows are going to make Centauri Prime pay for what Londo did by banishing them and destroying them and, and turning their back on the, the shadows. And it starts in the very next episode that they're their leader is now under shadow influence. And there is a great moment where Londo tells Veer, Veer, I have a gift for you. I'm sorry. Oh my god, Death has to do it. You can't do it. (laughs) Let's see. Veer, come over here. I have a present for you. So Veer walks outside. uh, Tell me, P.S., if you remember any of this. He goes outside and Morden's decapitated head is on a pike in the in the, in oh, the yeah. garden. I think love yeah. it. So Veer well, walks up and does his little Queen Elizabeth wave to it, which I thought was a, was a which great. was a wonderful throwback. And when I will say, mm-hmm. when Catherine saw that, she squeed with it, delight because it, it was so beautiful. Yeah, well, that's the thing because everyone was afraid of 
you know, it's kind of like, you know, don't snitch, you know, if, if, you know, don't cross the gangs and, you know, don't cross the powerful people. We can make you, you know, erased from everything. And Veer, who's like this little guy who has no allies and, you know, is no one, you know, stands up to the shadows and he gets the last laugh. And it's absolutely awesome. I love that. So then we have the ridiculous episode, I thought, where ISN came to the station and basically set them back about 5,000 years because Sheridan thought the media would be fair. Some of those. Yeah, well, oh, well, good yeah. luck on well, that. There is a great moment where Lanier has to show the guy from ISN around the station, and the guy has a floating camera which keeps like headbutting. <laughs> <Lanier>. <laughs> I remember that. Yes, <laughs> and Lanier <laughs> keeps looking back like surprised, and when no one's looking, he like headbutts the thing back. Yeah, and he that. wins. And he wins. <laughs> he hits it with the bone or whatever. <laughs> There's actually a great moment, too, where they're showing the um, the Alliance fleet being repaired outside of Babylon 5, and they show one of the White Stars, and they crack the front of it. Like, it actually has a hood. <laughs> they crack the front, and the little hood comes up like a car. I thought that was great. The things that stick with you <laughs> ten years later. And that was the episode where it was right after... It was uh, Epiphanies, actually, um, or right before. It was when Garibaldi resigns as mm. um, head of security of... Yeah. Because they fi- they finished the war and he's like I just want some time for myself I want to you know settle down raise some crops and maybe a few goats you know yeah, exactly <laughs> and within the episode he starts saying Sheridan is different since he came back from Zahadum he sees himself almost like a messiah you mm-hmm. know people are following him and clearly people are like worshiping him you know what I mean like it's he doesn't. He didn't know trust who Lorien was. Who's this guy coming back pulling the strings? This seems too weird. And within the, I believe it might be a little bit later in the season, or I can't remember if it's the same episode or not. But he actually punches Sheridan out on the Zocalo, and and there that happens a little bit later little on. Later, but, but yeah, they get into a fist fight, and Sheridan's like, "For our friendship, I'll give you that one. <laughs> and they, Don't try and sucker punch me again." And Bruce and Jerry still joke about that to this day. You know, I never got to punch you back. <laughs> They still have a joke about that. Yeah, so Garibaldi, he seemingly gets darker. He gets less trustworthy. His motives are never bad. He never... He doesn't become a villain, but he becomes very cynical. And there's even a great episode where a guy loses his daughter in the war because, you know, there's all these evacuations and and, everyone's running from the Vorlons. He loses track of his daughter and he hires Garibaldi, who's now basically a private investigator, to find her. And the guy doesn't have any money, but he gives Garibaldi everything he has and he finds his daughter. It's, It's this great moment that, you know, you tear up watching and then he charges the guy next to nothing. So he's still a good guy, but... Yeah. Well, I love this. the explanation for that, because the guy says, uh, sorry, there must be a mistake on this paperwork, and he pulls it back and says, oh, well, I'll have to yell at the guys in the accounting. Oh, wait, that's me. Uh, yeah. Well, since I don't want to get myself in trouble over this... Um, yeah, he charges them like 30% or something like that. So, yeah, so watching it, you can't tell what's going on, because something obviously happened to Garibaldi, and there's even a moment in one of the episodes where he gets a transmission from someone, and it's basically like just flashing patterns on the monitor, and then it, he draws like a smiley face or a frown face on a, on a window and, and, and it's, it's weird. Something is wrong with Garibaldi, but you mm-hmm. don't know what. He keeps accusing Sheridan of being different since he came back from Zaha Doom. Well, Mr. Garibaldi, you're different mm-hmm. since you came back from wherever you were. So, right. you know, don't go pointing fingers, pal. But the thing which, in, which I thought was great about the plot line is Garibaldi says, hold on, Sheridan comes back from the dead. No one questions it. He comes back with this alien who's literally pulling his strings. No one questions it. And you think I'm nuts? And that's right! Yeah. 
He has a totally valid point. It's totally valid, but no one goes along with him because we know that Lorian's a good guy because we see Lorian on the planet telling Sheridan what's going on. Because and, and, we're the viewers. I mean, we're it's the like, viewers. It's like the one rational character in the universe that realizes that this fictional plot is strange, but yeah. nobody seems to notice and he's, it. And he's totally right. And eventually, President Clark starts to embargo the station, and the station manages through the black market and through some other sources. They manage to keep their heads afloat. And Clark, then, I love Susan in that scene too. <laughs> you now, Susan at this point, Susan during the during the Vorlon Shadow Conflict. Acts is basically like a correspondent. She broadcasts throughout, you know, all the the different areas, you know, where you can go for shelter, you know, what planets are evacuating, where you can go. And later on in the season, Clark steps up a notch and he orders Earth Alliance ships or the military to basically start shooting down civilians who are crossing him. And he orders two civilian transports destroyed and kills something like 10,000 people. So that's the point where Sheridan decides no more and Babylon 5 declares war against Earth, which a year earlier, they were hoping to just be able to peacefully separate God, and not get their heads blown killed. off. And now he has access. Now now that's how much Sheridan has changed in Zahadum. He's not just happy-go-lucky, odd-gee-whiz John Sheridan. He's declaring war against Earth. And he organizes the White Star Fleet, and he basically he, he takes the fight to them. And yeah, you see you see aspects of the Star Killer come yeah, out. He he's not the same guy, and that feeds into Garibaldi's paranoia that he's not the same guy because he's clearly not. He's he's much more aggressive. He's he, he's he, he's just a more darker guy. And he um, he takes the fight to them in UCS um, in No Surrender, No Retreat. It's a twofold operation. You have Susan go down to go down to Epsilon Three and manage to use Dral's power base to transmit a signal to Earth space, and she begins broadcasting the truth about President Clark. While the White Star Fleet attacks one of the settlements that broke away from Earth, but the Earth was in the process of retaking, so they're able to liberate it. And the problem then becomes. Do we just blow out every Earth ship that we see, or do we try and get their ships and their captains to come around to our side? So we can't just go in and end this thing in 30 seconds. we got to fight long enough to give them a chance to, to come over to our side. So it's a, it's a it's real, the war of ideas. It's a really hard way to do it, because it's not like you're putting your neck on the line, because while you're trying to beg them to come to your side, they're just shooting at you when you could take them out. It's a little stereotypical, but it happens to be Sheridan's mentors on one of the other ships, and yeah. Coincidentally, taught him to you know to blindly follow orders. It was a little too heavy-handed, but I, I well, I wonder if they hadn't tried to recruit the Earth ships, if they would have had enough all together to succeed when they made the push to Earth. I think it would have. And the thing that was interesting to me watching the season is the season's broken into basically two huge campaigns. There's the campaigns against the Shadows, and there's the campaigns against the campaign against Earth. And in the Shadow campaign you're dealing with enemies who are far more powerful than you are, and you can barely hope to hold your own. And in the Earth campaign, the enemy is not very powerful, and 
they really can't hope to hold you off. You know, Earth couldn't hold off the Mimbari ten years ago, and now they're dealing against the White Stars, which are much more powerful. So it's kind of, it almost felt inevitable that Sheridan would win. True, but I did like his rationale of this shouldn't be about aliens coming to Earth. This should be about humans going home to reclaim their planet and their government. I always thought it was funny. He said, I want this to be a clean flight. I want this to be a clean fight as he's commanding the White Star fleet. Like, yeah. really, and then at the end, all the alien and league worlds, they, they all anyway. gather together and they go, and we'll provide support. We won't actually do the shooting, but we'll be like the hospital ship and whatever. That's just as good. Yeah. That's, you know, yeah. you're still being a part of it. Well, the thing which is interesting, too, is I love the music at the beginning of Notes We're Under No Retreat, where it's like the drums, where, where the council is called together and... Mm-hmm. Jakar strongly supports Sheridan's campaign to, for all the alien worlds to dissolve their defense treaties with Earth. And uh, all I can picture is Jakar, dude, you've got like one ship, but <laughs> because you're, the Narn are just recently. Um, uh, didn't that ship get blown up? No, that ship I think hung up. But they've got at least three ships. But the thing that killed me is that Narn is back on the strong side of the council. They're at the big table, and all the League worlds are. It's like, really? You don't think the Narn maybe got knocked down a few pegs, but the Narn are... The Narn are the Narn. They'll hit you a lot if you don't get to sit at the good place at the table. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, so that's where the season ends with this campaign towards Earth, which I think would have happened much later. And at the same time, you have the um, impact on Mimbar because Delenn dissolved the Great Council last year, and Mimbar has basically been without leadership for a year. So now the warrior cast is gaining power power and they're trying to push down the the, the the religious caste and you have a civil war break out on Mimbar at the same time, time all this is happening. So you have Delenn go home and Nehrun is there, Nehrun from the warrior caste and Nehrun at the end of an episode appears to cross Delenn and you know lead her into an ambush and mm-hmm. um, you have essentially Delenn surrenders and the, and the religious caste surrenders and um, the warrior caste is fine we're going to take over now and she says no you started the fight we're ending it and and we're going to rebuild from here and, and because of the sac- Nehrun sacrifices himself so moved by Delenn he converts to the religious caste which mm-hmm. I think is it, the, it's it, very unusual. Well, in the very beginning, because you had in the very first episode with Nehrun you had remember the missing body back from season one was he the crazy guy Six. that came with the body? And Yes, he was the one that beat the shit out of Marcus yeah. last year. Remember when, when um, the, she wouldn't die for me, but she would die for you? He tried to stop Delenn. But he, from- yeah, but he, like, come, he, even in that episode, he realizes that he was wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. In this episode, he, and I'm just remembering in that first episode, there was something about a religious It was the cast felt- member. His father was warrior, his mother was religious, and it, the mother takes precedence. But because he was, he did have some of that warrior background, he was the great leader. Was this Dukat? No, it wasn't Dukat. It was, no, it was, it was a religious cast member during the the Mimbari Earth War became warrior to fight. And he, he, he was formerly religious, but he became warrior. And now in, in Nehru's last episode, you have the warrior turn religious. It's that symmetry that you see through. Wait, is this another guy or the same guy turned back? No, the, the first guy dead. Okay. They were in the first uh, in the first episode with Nehrun, they were celebrating yeah, the yeah, funeral yeah. of the guy. So now Nehrun yeah. kind of switches, he provides that symmetry and with his dying breath, he saves Delenn and becomes religious. So and brings he, balance to the force. Which brings balance to the force. So what you have happen <laughs> is 
instead of the Grey Council being in charge, I'm sorry, instead of the religious caste being in charge, or instead of the warrior caste being in charge, they put the worker caste, who no one's ever heard of, in charge. So they hold <laughs> they four... They originally didn't exist. Yeah, so they hold five seats, and the warriors and the religious hold two each. And, th- and that will be the new way forward, that the worker caste, who's been the power broker... or they've The been... proletariat. Yeah. So, and and that's the way the Delenn's able to, to do that. And there's actually a great scene where the religious caste loses faith in Delenn's ability to do this and she thinks that, that Delenn, they think Delenn will just surrender and Delenn's weak and, and, and the warrior caste is too strong and we can't let this happen so they lose faith in Delenn so as Delenn's ship with warriors on it is making its way home to Mimbar, they sabotage the ship so that everyone on board will be poisoned, the air will be poisonous, and the ship will just drift off into hyperspace, and, and that will be it. And Lanier finds out, and he overhears them and, and stops it, but in the process is badly injured. So he's in the medical bay, and, and Delenn is, is, is at his side, and all these religious cast members are afraid he's going to rat them out for what they tried to do. And he doesn't. He says it was an accident. And they come out afterwards and they say, why did you save our necks? Why didn't you tell her we did it? And he said, you know, she is better. She she is such a good person. She is so good that she sees the best in people. And I will not allow her faith in, in, in people to be shattered by the likes of you. So I'll keep, I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it for her. Because mm-hmm. she's innocent. And Lanier loves her so her And he loves her so much that he won't let her be hurt by that. So I thought that was mm-hmm. a really great linear moment in there too yes yes absolutely fully agree I, I love Lanier's character I love how devoted he is to Delenn and he's not going to let anything get in the way of his being with her serving her not even Sheridan not not even he, having to watch them have sex was enough <laughs> to drive him away <laughs> Woo-hoo. that doesn't sound that doesn't sound well that's that's rough when you lose the girl that's another thing to have to watch her and the new guy do it that's just a whole new level of weird that's sad mm. I killed the conversation. <laughs> yeah. But, I think um, I did, actually, but that's okay. That's all right. So, I mean, those are the the big forces, and there's actually a moment. I remember there's a great... If you have the DVD of season four, there's a great... I think Chris Frank, he did, uh, he did original music. He did new music for Babylon 5, and he put together, like, a music video or a suite of music surrounding the events of season four, and there's a, a great scene from that, which I always remember that kind of sums up that Membari fight with the Great Council... I'm sorry, with the religious cast and the warrior casts meeting and coming to a head on that Mimbari cruiser and Nehrun is surrounded by the warriors and Delenn is out in front of, of the religious so she's the first one out and, and he's protected by his troops and it just it was, it was a great image that shows how selfless mm-hmm. she is I was like that I like Nehrun and his arc we don't see him a lot he's not mm-hmm. a major character I wouldn't even really call him a minor character he's sort of peripheral right. he comes in every Incidental, that's a, a very, very good word. Thank you for that book, book word, P.S. And he comes on every 10 episodes, and he's involved with the plot of that particular episode. And I like that we see him go from just this asshole warrior with no gray matter between his ears at all to someone who's somewhat more respectable, and he appreciates that he's not the be-all, end-all of warrior-ness, and by the time we see him here in season four, he's really come full circle, and he is a strong character, and he, he's prepared to follow someone. Yeah, and he's such a jackass when you first meet him, but the moment I loved him was actually back in season three, where he beats the shit out of uh, 
Marcus. Marcus. I was going to say Jason because that's the actor's name. But shit, uh, Marcus, because Marcus won't let him get to Delenn. And he beats the crap out of Marcus. And, and, Mar- and as he's about to, you know, kill Marcus, Marcus basically, you know, says in Valen's name. And he realizes that, you know, the, the, this human is more Mimbari than I am. And he walks up to Delenn <laughs> with Marcus's blood-soaked pike and says, you know, she, they won't die for me, but they will die for you. And, and gives her, the, you know, insults out of the position. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just such a great moment when he realized... In, in, he realized that he could kill Marcus, but he couldn't beat him. Yes. And in this episode, too, where he basically, he realizes that Delenn is what is... We need to go Delenn's way, and that will cost me my life, but it's worth it. And he just, he makes that ultimate sacrifice. And he he's such a strong character, and I, I love the way he goes out. And I even love the beginning of the episode. It starts out with Delenn tr- realizing that she needs to take more of an active interest in what's going on on Minbar, because she's been neglecting it for the last year. And you find out that the Drak are trying, the, 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 the allies of the Shadows that are now taking power because the shadows are gone and they're filling the vacuum are now reaching out to the Nimbari trying to you know, sow those seeds of discontent and she realizes my god what have I done because she needed the ships to help Sheridan and because she needed to act before all those consequences are starting to come back full circle and that's what I like about the show you know the shadow when the shadow war ended the shadow war ended you know the fifth episode sixth episode of the season four everyone watching the show at the time said well now what's the show going to be about the show is about the shadow war is this going to be like on Star Trek where the, where the war ends in the last two part episode of the series like that's the, the, and the thing is, okay, the shadows are gone. Okay, who gets their stuff? Who gets exactly. their planets? Like who, get, like uh, who gets Vor- their room? The Vorlons are gone. Who gets their shit? <laughs> they had yeah. lots of stuff. It's, gets- it's like when your older brother or sister yeah. moves out of the house and you want to move into their room, so yeah. you're not in the same room with your younger sibling anymore. These aliens, you know, I have or- no idea what I'm talking about. I'm an only child. Well, as am I, but you know. <laughs> You know, when the that's bu- what it might be like. Yeah, so when, maybe. When, when the bully- I, you guys are all only children? We are? Yeah. Yes. Oh. Well, I have a brother, but I don't want any of his shit. <laughs> Seriously, can I just say this? When Danielle's brother moves out of his house, they're going to have to fumigate the hell out of that room. Yeah, they're going to have to, like, vomit. Oh. Oh. oh, my God. Like, you come out of there, you find bowls from, like, 1985. It's scary. <laughs> like, you find bowls. <laughs> bowls? <laughs> Why bowls? I, I don't know. That was weird. There's, like, a set of... China. I love they, when he does that. He just sort of just comes up with the most random random thing. word and throws it in. There's a bowl of Swedish meatballs in there. Yeah. That's what. It is. <laughs> exactly. And the best, the best thing is he makes here. fun of me when I do it. <laughs> he doesn't like the things in other people that he doesn't like about himself. Yeah, well. <laughs> I just got all that. I wanted to make sure you got all the words in the right space. But the thing which I love is at the beginning <laughs> of the episode, so now Delenn realizes, you know, like, oh yeah, so who gets all her stuff? So there's consequences. So Delenn now needs to deal with the consequences of her actions. So she's going home, and she's very sad because, you know, everything that happened. And, and Lanier decides Delenn needs a pep talk. Delenn, <laughs> you did the right thing. Valen told you to dissolve the Great Council. It's okay, because Valen said to do it. And she's like, Lanier, dumbass. <laughs> Valen was Sinclair. He told yep. me to do it because he knew I'd already done it. And then he left. You don't know what's going to happen. And well, thing- it's causality. If it it's happened, you have to make sure it happens again. Well, the thing I love about that scene... Or is- else it won't happen. I mean, he won't... And then the world back. explodes. What I love yeah. about that scene is whoever did Mira Furlan's makeup was literally on crack that day. If you look at her, like her, they they do her makeup and then she has the bone. 
you know how they have to like filayer at the end of the day when they take you know the makeup. Uh-huh. Like the makeup goes all the way up the bone. Like it's like <laughs> she's a conehead in that scene, and it's, I'm I'm watching. I'm like, oh, this is deep. You know, what the hell's wrong with her head? So th- that one. Yeah, her scene. makeup was a little funky with that bone for a while. And it was like neon. It was weird. They, like they, they didn't have, have the same person working on it every yeah. time. So they did, they did her makeup. I just remember funky. sometimes it looked really good, and sometimes it was like, what the hell's on your head? Yeah, they did, they did it very funky there. So then you have Garibald. Now, okay, what the hell? I'm, I'm calling you Delen. Where? Are we? P.S. Okay. Yeah, where are we? I'm P.S. We're like, not Delenn. You kind of skipped, skipped over Franklin and Marcus going to Mars. I'm getting there now. So Franklin, so you, like, very interesting it. now. Well, we're about. Ba- I'm about to like a around great these. road trip. The best tonight. part of it is that they sing. Yes. Oh, we can sing on tonight's episode. <laughs> Modern, Modern Major, Major General. Modern Major General. Well, Jason Carter had to learn the songs. <laughs> Well, there's basically it's like the if you've ever seen planes, trains, and automobiles with John Candy and who else is in it? Um, Steve Martin. Steve Martin. It's basically they're on the road trip from hell. They need to go from Babylon Five well, Earth. They have to change cars twice, and they have to ride in the trunk. Because Marcus is having the time of his life, and and Franklin's a little grumpy. Marcus is always having the time. Of his and life. that's when I shot him, Your Honor. Yeah. <laughs> that, okay, I forget. There, there is something good worth talking about in there. Just the bickering back and forth between those two is so, so funny. And I just love Franklin throughout that line. He's like, I'm going to kill him. I'm, I'm just going to yeah. kill him. And no no jury in the world would convict me. There's a great blooper from that season where they're in the cargo hold. And of course, it's a zero gravity ship. So there's like the, you know, the luggage and the cargo is floating everywhere. And obviously, you know, the, like there's, you know, the cargo is really on like, you know, string and wire and stuff and they can yank it. So they're, they're on the set and they're in their filming and everything. And Franklin's in the middle of a line and they pulled up one of the pieces of cargo and then made this horrible clanging noise and he looks up at it he's like he's in the middle of his line he's like that scared the shit out of me it's a, it's like one of the best moments there it's, nice well they could have gotten around the need to have floating stuff if they just put cargo nets over everything to hold it down now what was the name of the guy who had the keeper do you remember the, oh oh um who's trying to look it up Real quick. I can't remember. He's the Wade. contact for number one. No, Captain Jack. Captain Jack. And he's trying to give oh, them Oh, the clue. older guy. Well, he's trying to give them clues because he's, he's talking about yep. areas that are very bustling, saying you can't buy anything there. And he's wearing a heavy coat even though it's hot. And he's trying to let yep. them know that something's going wrong because the keeper won't let them warn anybody, which is... And, yeah, yeah, he has well, to I mean, doesn't he, um... ways that the keeper wouldn't understand. Yeah. Oh, and then Stephen um, spends the night with number one and Marcus is the lookout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's got his little his little pike thing, which he just opens and closes and opens and closes and open and extends and retracts and extends and retracts. I'm like, I get it, thanks. <laughs> Although the best line earlier in the season is when Jakar plays with the thing and he opens it and he like knocks over something and a cat yells in the background and Jakar's like, hmm, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I must get myself one of these. I like it. I'm just, there's so many moments, I know I'm going out of order, there's so many moments. I was actually just thinking of Jakar right after Cartage is dead and Narn is set free. He goes into the, um, the, the, the Emperor's throne room on Narn, which coincidentally is the same set as the Emperor's throne room from Satori Prime. Because, wow, you've done wonders with this place. He likes it so much, he had it exactly duplicated also to save costs. Yes. So, um... And the, the Narn want to make 
Ishtar, the Emperor, and he's so disgusted, you would throw, take down one tyrant and raise up another, and he just, as they're torching the, the building, he just leaves in disgust and heads back to Babylon. I just like that. what he says. He doesn't want to be king or emperor. If they reconstitute the Kari, he will take his place amongst them, and he would probably end up leading them in that regard, but he just, he wants no part of it. George being Washington. The Say again? I was going to say, he's almost like George Washington. You know, you're going to take mm-hmm. out a king and then make me one. Exactly. I will serve two terms and no more. Did he say that in the beginning or did he just... Yep. Did he really? Okay. Never knew that. Well, he he would have died at this third term anyway, so maybe he felt a little... Because they didn't have the, the limit at the time. No. But everybody was just following George Washington. As Archie Washington's Bunker example. would say about FDR, no one knew he wanted to hang on to the job like a pope. So, uh. <laughs> yeah, I took that one out. But, yeah, I'm even just going through it. Um, so we have the final betrayal of Mr. Garibaldi, where he is contacted by, what's the dude's name? It's um, Mr. Edgars. Uh, I can't think of his first. William. William Bob. Edgars. Bob Edgars. Bob William Edgars. Bill. Bill Gates himself. He is contacted... <laughs> He's contacted by um, William Eggers on Mars to come work for him. Very powerful person. This is like, you get the the call from Tony Soprano, you come. And, oh, by the way, meet my wife, Lise. I believe he used to love her back in season one. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I always wondered what happened. Oh, no, they described it. season two. Remember she briefly married someone else with a funny sounding name? I thought she had made that guy up. No, she, no, it was, she, because I remember, um, I remember Garibaldi's making fun of the guy's name to Delenn later in the episode. She married someone else, had a kid, and then the guy left her and coincidentally took the kid. So then she found William Eggers and married him. Very convenient. Now, see, it it did seem too convenient, and that's why I thought she just made it up. No, she actually says, because she comes to Babylon 5 and has to, um, he sends his wife. And then the wife turns out to be Elise, and he has to protect Elise on B5. So Garibaldi's going through, he's he's tested out, he breaks um, station laws, um, they really can't do anything to him, but he um, has his um, backup identity card that he's still using to get into secure places and whatnot, and he, mm-hmm. he's not crossing the line badly, but he's crossing the line, and he goes to work for Edgars, and Edgars wants to find a way to kill the telepaths. That's his end goal. He wants, because he sees a telepath war coming, he wants the mundanes to be on the winning side. And you have, at this point, Bester working for Sheridan, because Sheridan has Bester's lover on um, ice from last the correct, season. The, the correct phrase is he has her on ice. She's on ice from last season, so Bester obviously doesn't want that. And... Edgar's price is, you know, I can control Clark. The big corporations can always control the politicians. That's how it's always worked. If you're voting now in 2011, you know it's probably true. And you're. Ma- I didn't hear any of what you said because the line cut out for a second, so I'll let you get away with it. <laughs> and um, you have the situation per Edgar's where I can control Clark but this Sheridan guy is making Clark get antsy because he knows he's about to be toppled and this is bad for everyone. We need to shut this Sheridan guy down now. We can control Clark because Clark is nothing. We can control Clark but not if he feels like his back is up against the wall. So he has he wants Garibaldi to betray Sheridan. And Mm -hmm. Garibaldi at this point is convinced that Sheridan is so unstable 
they'll help Sheridan, so he'll do it. So he signals Sheridan that Sheridan's dad has been captured and that they need to help him. Sheridan leaves the protection of the, of the fleet and comes to Mars, where Garibaldi takes him down. So Garibaldi has betrayed Sheridan, and ISN broadcasts to everyone that it was Garibaldi who turned in war, hero, war criminal John Sheridan, who's already recanting and apologizing. And, and yeah, where he's and, being treated well and fed as, as good food. <laughs> as they're beating the crap out of him and making him eat McDonald's. You know? Yes. Um, and, Gar- and Susan has that line, which I always love, contact that... Bab- contact Babylon 5 if Garibaldi shows his face or I want that bastard shot dead on sight. Uh-huh. So, mm-hmm. Don't cross Susan. She, she gets very cranky. No, you don't mess with a Russian. You don't mess with the Russian and Susan says we're not going to take a break. I'm taking command of the fleet and we are going full steam ahead and, and this isn't going to slow us down at all. And at this point, you find out that Garibaldi that, um, the shadows took Garibaldi because mm-hmm. they wanted. Um, they realized at the end of season three, where P.S. left off in Zahadoom, they realized that the three people who would be able to take over for Sheridan would be Susan, Delenn, or Garibaldi. And they figured that Susan and Delenn would be taken out quickly, but they could use Garibaldi. So they kidnapped Garibaldi in Zahadoom. And, and that just doesn't strike me as a very good rationale, because how were they to know that he would be out there in a star fury? That was weird. Maybe they just figured they could hear Maybe him. they just kidnapped him because he was out there in a star or fury. Or they figured he was signaling, so why don't we just grab him? I mean, you can you kind of have to suspend disbelief for that. But I think it was just they found out who he was afterward, and they're like, ooh, we shouldn't plug he him into a machine. He got stuck to our exhaust pipe, him. and we figured, ooh, bonus. Um, <laughs> So, in, in Bester pulled some strings, which makes me question how many strings one can pull with the shadows, but he pulls some strings within the Psycore, because the Psycore is... Working with the shadows, with the as shadows. we know. We saw that episode. And we saw that ha- scene on Earth Dome. And he has Garibaldi altered completely. And no. They, well, not no, completely. Not completely. They just go, tweaks his natural tweak paranoia. Him, they make him mm. ultra-paranoid. You know, so everything he's feeling has a basis in reality, but it's it's, it's just... it's. It's way blown out of proportion, and yeah. and they um, are able to give him adjustments over the comm lines, and they're basically able to reposition him where they want him. They wanted him working. They wanted him to be a highly placed, very powerful dick so that Edgars would hire him because they wanted Edgars' information about how he planned to kill all the telepaths. And once Bester had that information, once he got that information, you saw Garibaldi rip one of his teeth out. He had like a transmitter in his mouth the Mm -hmm. whole time. And he goes onto a platform, onto a train, and Bester gets on the train and tells him, here's everything that happened. Here's exposition. Here's exposition. exposition. Here's how you betrayed everyone who will ever trust you again, and no one will ever believe you. And that's it. And I could kill you right now, but why bother? Because your life is over. And gets off the train, and Garibaldi, now now awake and conscious for the first time since season three, as himself, realizes what was done to him and, and what Bester took from him. And you see the subway car speed off into the darkness with Garibaldi screaming. I thought that would be a really sick way, if the show got canceled, to end Garibaldi's character. Yes. No, they yes, didn't. Indeed. But I think that would have been a very sick and powerful way to, to do it, which would inspire much fan fiction. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Because is he going to live and redeem himself? Is he going to get shot on sight by mm-hmm. Susan? You know, that would have been a really great end to the character. He comes up, hey, I'm really sorry. Bang! Bang, right in the head, blows his head open. Now, what I thought was really cool is by this point, we as the audience knew that Claudia Christian and JMS had a blowout, which I still think I have. I think I, I have an opinion on who I believe more than the other, but um, I think that at this point we knew that that Susan would not be in season five if there was one, and, or that Susan was going to be leaving the show, or, or you know, actually no, I'm I'm thinking about this. We would have known about season five by now because of uh, the last episode being produced in season five. So mm-hmm. we would have known that. So we just know that Susan's going to be leaving the show. And um, you have the only line of defense Clark has is he has Earth cruisers equipped with shadow technology ready for the White Which is stars. nothing but spikes. I love that. Well, no, the thing is, it wasn't very... Um, and they still need to rotate. Did you notice that part? Yeah, it's like, seriously, like, I don't know. But the thing which I didn't think was very scary about it was you knew they had something up their sleeves because you got warned earlier in the episode, and you knew Earth was fooling around with shadow technology. So I you didn't guess that maybe this yeah. was it. So anyway, so Susan literally that morning. I think Danielle, if you're still here, yeah, Susan had some prednisone for breakfast. What? Because she's on the white. Star. Susan is pregnant. Danielle is not pregnant to the best of my knowledge. So Susan is. She has her her bowl of Wheaties and prednisone, mm-hmm. and she's on the White Star. And they're like, uh, Commander, there's uh, 17 uh, Earth Force ships ahead of us, and they have shadow technology. And she sits in her uh, lazy boy chair, and she says, "Okay, I'll take this." Uh, firing control to my panel. Um, <laughs> ah, hell! Red blinkies. Um, on she's imagining full. this. Her in this recliner on blue, the bridge, like ah. Red ray fire guns. Fire the torpedoes. Uh, to full uh, blue guns. Um, stand by the fire to half. And she says, um, and she's like, fire around. red particle cannons, fire blue particle cannons. And let those fire them both, run. alternating. And she's boom, like, boom, um, boom. can you, um, um, hailing frequencies open, please? And they're like, who the hell is this? And she's like, I am Susan, command Ivanova. <laughs> like, there's a pause. Susan, Ivanova. I am death avenging. I'll drop Co- in the clip. Yeah, commander, I am the, the, the daughter of. Dimitri. I am and, Harry, uh, yeah. and the, the late. <laughs> yes, thank you, P.S. <laughs> you know, whatever my mother's name was, she killed herself because of the psychor. But more on that in a moment. And, and <laughs> she ends with, "I am, the, I am the last thing that you were ever going to see, sweetheart. Like I, I am death incarnate. God sent me." And then she fire. She hits the firing button, and I'm like. Ooh, she's having a bad... Like, seriously, that's what happens if you take too much prednisone. You go directly past the munchies, and no, you become dead right. No, you, you, you just eat a lot. I, I don't think I blow anything up. All right, well, maybe... <laughs> if, if anyone gets a distress call from me at 4 o'clock in the morning, it's because Danielle was channeling Susan Ivanova and let the red blinkies unfold. So anyway, Susan <laughs> takes out the entire fleet. I think she uses, like, one hand. She takes out the entire fleet, but unfortunately, she... Crashes into the the White Star, gets into a little fender bender. Susan is critically injured, and Marcus carries her to the escape pod. And Susan, they they bring her to the Mimbari ship, where they have the literally the most uncomfortable medical equipment I have ever seen. Like they're like her head is propped up, and people are sneezing, and it's it's ridiculous. And Susan is. <laughs> Is that Catherine? Yes. <laughs> Catherine is the best nose blower I have 
<laughs> Ryan has just said that you are the best nose blower he's ever met. She says you have not met her father. <laughs> it's hereditary. Ah. I could take the laptop downstairs and ask him for a sample of this if, if we would like. Well, he may not need to right now. You can't rush these things. <laughs> You, you can okay. blow a blood vessel. Let's be safety first. So I, I will I, hold off on that. What then. I love about that is we know that Susan's leaving the show. So you think, okay, so JMS wrote in the fender bender to get rid of Susan. But in fact, Susan survives, which I believe was always planned. And um, I believe because Susan left the show, they changed the line where she was supposed to get the command of Babylon 5. And said she gets the they send her off for a year to play mini golf or whatever she does. She test drives something that's the end of Susan. But I love that because it's like what I was saying before, I love when they have, there's a perfectly easy way to do it and they go the other way just to make it more interesting. At what point did I kill it? I was looking well, for the uh, quote from Susan there, the, the full speech she gives because well, it's great. Too, like, she's cross-eyed when she's saying it. Like, it's, she's, like, she's... <laughs> <laughs> What was that? Sorry, I think the nose blowing is like what did it. <laughs> so some some women have a very dainty nose blow. That is not our Catherine. Oh no 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 no. She throws her back into it. It's awesome. She throws her back out she, doing she it. What? Her, her back into it. She throws it. her back into it. Back into it. So you have Garibaldi is able to redeem himself, even though I I, I would have loved him to ride that subway car forever, although P.S. with a cried, even though she, you know, has, has left him behind. He's past love, but still. Um, mm-hmm. So, Garibaldi is able... I think he was really a love at all. <sighs> if I took Ty away from you, I think it would I think it would sting. But... <laughs> you see? You see? She'd have to rename her iPhone, even though she'd have to buy the four. Look at that. So, you have uh, Garibaldi redeem himself. You have, um, you know, Earth is... is Retaken. Sheridan uh, finds his dad. All these wonderful things are happening. And the moment I thought where Londo put his arm around Delenn and, and put the pipe in his mouth, I thought the pipe was a little much. And he was saying, we have all learned to work together. Death World could say it better, but he's looking up a quote. You know, and, and we will bring our, all of our, Narn and Centauri, and, you know, we are Humans one. form communities. No, that's the wrong voice. That was, the, uh-huh. yeah, that, that was like Londo trying to pick someone up. That was a little weird. That was that was like Lon that was like Londo doing a documentary, you know. What I mean? <laughs> but I think that that I mean that was the 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 speech you give when you know your show's ending and you have to show character development. I'm not, I think that was a little too far for Londo. But anyway, they decide. Delenn says, "You know what? Here's what I think we should do. I think we should disband everything like our ancestors did. You know, mm-hmm. it's black, and we should start a new alliance, which makes." You know the the alliance itself. If we get renewed, will make absolutely no no sense whatsoever. You know, it will be very unclear who has what role or who does what or what keeps us together or what the Constitution says. It will drive Ryan crazy. Mm-hmm. P.S. will go insane because there are no laws. You know, I think we should make one of those. And Londo says, I'd like to change my underwear now. Let's do it. Okay? <laughs> Being in the presence of living history thins the air, makes one giddy. <laughs> it makes one giddy. Now, what we should Can do... you say that you want to change your underwear in the Londo voice? Those of you who have not heard may want to bring a change of underwear. 
Forge Thorn. And um, Delen- and as I recall, Lanier starts tearing up because he tells Delen that Marcus believed that, that love, something about, I don't remember the line, but Delen basically pats him <laughs> on the head and says, oh, Delen, no one really loves anyone else or whatever the line. It was basically, it's, you know, pat, 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 I know you'll love me, pat, 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 I don't love you. Um, oh. I remember some type of line. Maybe that was the opposite of what was said. Ouch. That's just what I remembered. And they decide, no, we're going to, to we're going to announce we're going to find uh, we're we're going to have the Russian president who sounds like the fakest Russian in the world. Oh the, my God, ex- she does. But no, what's funny? She's not the actress is Russian. So oh. we're going to have her form a press conference where Sheridan has been ordered to resign from Earth Force. But we have a surprise for you. We're forming <laughs> a new alliance, and guess who the president is? Because he was formed by the committee. That's what I love. The committee picked Sheridan. Who was on this committee? What are the rules? Makes no sense. Seriously, drives me insane. I love politics. No sense. It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So, and they're like, uh, show, and you know what? We'll announce it. We'll announce it at the press conference. And even better, we'll have the White Star Fleet fly overhead. And even better, we won't tell anyone they're coming, so they'll think it's a earthquake. <laughs> Let's scare the piss out of everybody. They don't even have a defense grid. What the hell? So they fly the White Star Fleet over water, so the water is jostling and pictures are falling. We're under attack. Because seriously, the planet was under alien attack three days ago. I think everyone's you know you over it. Traumatize people. Yeah, they, so they traumatize everybody. To celebrate it's the like end of the war, Air Force we will have fireships and we will shoot off some guns. And- That's exactly what they do. So then, of course, Delenn and Sheridan get married off screen because we're running out of time this season. And they will go and have um, they will go and have marital relations immediately thereafter. And for and Jakar leaves his eye because now he has the eye. That sees. Uh-huh. He's going to accidentally leave it on Sheridan's nightstand. He wants <laughs> to make sure everything's going going well. And he and Londo become BFFs in the last couple episodes because they've gone uh, through. So. They're sitting there drinking and kind of makes you wish you could peek in on them, yes? So, mm. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Mm. What is oh, it's caviar? Mm. Oh, delicious. Where oh. is your eye? <laughs> you have one eye. So, and that concludes Babylon 5 there, and then we have the last episode. No, wait, you were renewed. So, the, I think the end of the Earth War wasn't supposed to happen until, like, six episodes into Season 5. Mm-hmm. So, hmm. <laughs> now Which is what? fine. I mean, if, if they had ended Season 4 with intersections in real time and, and Sheridan being tortured and so forth, there would have been great suspense leading into Season 5, and then you're right, you know, six episodes or so to figure out where he is and, and how to get him back. Yeah. And if they'd had that time, I think they would have showed a little more deterioration in his resolve. But what I do love is I love Deconstruction of Falling Stars. I think it's probably one of the... A lot of people don't like it. I love it. At least I love the title of it. But I think it's one of the best ideas for an episode that they've had. It's it's a very, like, Star Trek high-concept idea, but the plot line being that it's Sheridan's triumphant return to Babylon 5 after mm-hmm. he's the president Sheridan. And do you know Delenn is the vice president? Isn't that a conflict 
conflict of interest? One would think, you know what? You don't even find out in season five that she's the vice president. You find out like a, a movie five years later. It's ridiculous because it makes no sense. But um, you find out. I mean, I say this as the Bill Saul or Lee Shipper, so I don't know what I know about conflict of interest in business relationships. You're Bill Saul, Lee Shipper? Bill Saul and Laura Lee. You ship Laura Lee? Yes. Really? Look yes. at her icon. I'm, Do you have an eye? <laughs> I'm not looking at it right now. I don't use the computer while podcasting. Um, but Ooh, aren't you technological? The only time he doesn't use the, the only time he doesn't yeah, use Thank you, Danielle. Thank you. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> so anyway, the, okay, PS actually would like this episode. So what happens is the uh, screen as Sheridan Returns to Babylon 5 gets fuzzy and you find out that someone a million years in the future is watching at the at the end of the earth at the end of, of time is watching historical records historical documents historical documents so he's watching what I don't get is they're in the middle of evacuating the planet he's the last one left and he I'm stops I'm going to sit down and watch Babylon 5 well no what he's doing is he's making sure the records are he's basically watching them he's making sure they're transmitted to the, to New Earth he's got the time so yeah he's watching them because we have to watch them so he you see what happens in 2262 so in season the beginning of season 5 into season 4 and then it jumps ahead 100 years and then 500 years and then 1000 a 1000 a years and then 1000 years in the future 1000 years and then and then, a, then a million i believe so it, yeah. it jumps it jumps all around and that's the, so random a hundred, a thousand, well, a million. Well, well the thing is, a million years. So well, no, he's a million years all. in the future. He's a million years in the future. So what you have, what you find on the episode is that a hundred years from now, the Interstellar Alliance held together, and what they're debating is kind of like how we debate: was George Washington really that great? Was Thomas Jefferson really that great? You know, we look back and we say these three or four men changed the world, but it's hardly ever just those three or four men we romanticize and we streamline and all this stuff. And yes, Sheridan may have been great, but he was also a megalomaniac and all these other things. I just love the one who says that, oh, well, they were riding forces that were already in existence. Like, no, they weren't. They yeah. created those forces. So 100 years from now, basically everything that these people accomplished these you know historians are are going to rewrite history and you actually have Delenn who's still alive drop in on them to, she's literally the oldest minbari she's, ever she's she's still alive to tell them that um, you know, John Sheridan. <laughs> John Sheridan was a good and decent man, and then she turns around to walk away. And they're like, "You came that far just to say that," and she's like, "You came much farther to say less." And, and you know, and, which and is Glenn, a great comeback in one fashion. And then one of them go, you know, tries to like mock her a little bit or says something stupid, and she just well, looks of course, at, you would say that, yeah. And then she just looks at the guy and is like, "Goodbye," which you find out later they don't say goodbye. So that's like her version of the c word, I think. So oh, uh, that, that was that was kind of bad. But what I really love is in the future you find out that um earth has gone like 1984-ish and we're we're they're basically going to rewrite history to make sheridan a war criminal and they're and they're yeah. going to do these horrible I'd things like to, i'd like to pause you right there i think this is definitely a, a smaller faction or at least one of the two factions but did anyone else notice the ss lightning bolts on his jacket yeah, yeah i noticed that for the first time and i was like oh oh so you know these are definitely yeah, the it's bad a, guys. It's a civil war over over the direction of Earth, and they're going to 
one side is going to try and use Sheridan and the others to... They, they've reconstituted Sheridan and the others as holograms using the historical documents, and they're going to reprogram them to show that Sheridan was basically like a Nazi and all these things to, to, to kind of... De- to tarnish the reputation of the Alliance, to try and force them on the Alliance. And yeah, it's an ad hominem is, attack. P.S. would like this. Garibaldi's hologram has the memories and the, and the personality of Garibaldi. So what he basically does is he transmits what these people are doing to the enemy. Yeah, he makes friendly with the computer system that created him, talks to it, hacks into it, and so takes the enemy start. A war, so the enemy launch a preemptive strike. So and basically what happens is, as a result of the Garibaldi hologram, there's a civil war, and Earth is decimated. <laughs> he can't catch a break, can he? And he's, no, he does it on purpose. So Earth is decimated. De- like, nuclear- he decimated the Earth on purpose? What yeah. he did was well, to stop one side from attacking the others. One side, one side of the civil war was about to become incredibly violent. So what he did was he he warned the other side, and it, and it launched a preemptive strike. So people were saved, but there was there was massive casualties and and whatnot. So then mm-hmm. you jump ahead five hundred years, and Earth is like rebuilding. So it's kind of like it, it's it's like the fourteen hundreds. Yes, the Dark Ages. That war, that nuclear war, is referred to as the Great Burn. The Great Burn. So we lost all of our technology. We lost. Con- we lost, we lost all travel. records. And we lost all our history. We're walking around like it's Christopher Columbus days again. And you see a monk go to one of his brothers. So it's like Brother Theo all over again. God bless you. And it's like Brother Theo all over again. And he goes to the. To the it basically, it's a story about a monk going to another monk to talk about faith and faith in stories of old and the direction of the earth and he pulls out his quote-unquote bible and it talks about Ivanova the strong and Sheridan the great and Lorien and, and Delenn the blessed yeah and all these in, in these fables about times and how do we have faith that these people were here and you know that we're building towards something great and long story short at the very end of it the monk stands up and you realize he's been recording this whole conversation and he's a ranger and he's mm-hmm. talking to the person on the other end of this camera saying, please arrange for them to find a generator next time or you know, gasoline. Make, yeah, make it look like it's one of theirs. Don't make it look too good and we will rebuild the earth if it takes a million years, you know, in Valen's mm-hmm. name and how where even the what I loved about that was kind of like Ballastar Galactica. Even though we lose everything, it still might work out okay someday. So everything Sheridan builds, everything, the Babylon 5 stations, the Interstellar line, everything, it ends with the Earth being decimated. But that's still okay. So I, that was the, 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 the thing I loved about that episode. Even though you're going to have a victory today, you'll lose it all tomorrow, and that's okay because you'll get up next time. That's one of those messages of the show which I think was just awesome. I love that storyline of that so what's great about it is it was an episode that was never supposed to happen. They needed a filler episode, and they picked that. So I thought that was terrific. I killed it again. <laughs> I was getting tired. I really killed it again. Anyone even here? <laughs> no, I'm here. We're here. You didn't watch it. Where's Death Row? Maybe Death Row's gone. I think I. I think I. Do you think it was the? You think it was the sneeze? Do you think he went to the bus? Oh, cabin? his thing is like maybe got disconnected. I think Catherine sneezed so hard. Am I back? Oh, you're back. Yes. Oh, yay! yay. You're not dead. Well, he you're is not dead. dead yet. I'm not sure what happened, but Ryan got all choppy, and it sounded like someone was breaking sticks in the background. And <laughs> well, I yeah, said, I've been having that too. It sounds like when Ryan, hello, like when you talk, it's kind of choppy. Can you hear me? 
Yeah. You're in the same house. Jeff, can you hear me? Hello. Is anyone there? <laughs> no, that's, that's sounding kind of like radio-ish. Jeff? Anyone there? We can hear I can you. hear you, Jeff. Someone typed Jeff that we can Hello. hear. <laughs> can anyone hear me? <laughs> I'm trapped in here with a mad non. <laughs> I can hear you. We're in here. That's pretty much all there is to it. <laughs> yeah, let me hang up on death row. I'll put him back in the call. Oh my god, the connection is never this bad. Let's hang up on him, put him back in. Oh shit, who did I just call? This is Ryan added death. Which is weird because he's death row on my thing, but it's his death here. I like accidentally almost just called somebody. Two. I don't know. Whoever's <laughs> phone number that is. Oh. Hey, can you hear me? Oh, did you call his cell? I don't know who I called. Because it says, it five says, eight, five he's, eight he's death row in my Skype, but he's death in my actual phone. And it says Ryan added death. So that, I think that means you called his cell. Oh, maybe. Death, you here? Oh, death row went offline. Hang on. He might be reloading. Danielle, how's your hyperness? I am pretty beat, actually. Wow. I even was able to talk you down after a prednisone injection. Oh, man. That's pretty sweet. Let's give him a second and see if he, uh... I'm just trying to keep an eye on Sammy, because she's, like, doing the thing where she's trying to find stuff under the couch, even though there's nothing under there, but I think whatever she wants to find, she wants to eat. What's under there? Nothing. I don't know what she's doing. Hey, stop it. She's been good all night. You haven't had to, like, beat her during the podcast. Mm, she's been sleeping. That would do it. You wouldn't beat her, would you? He's a no. no. I accidentally kicked her in the head. She'll spray her with a little water, like, when well, she's she, bad. She, like, she always, like, runs in front of my feet, so one day I kicked her, and she got, like, scared of me, and it, like, broke my oh. heart. I, she's so cute. She's, like, this little... Poor kitty. Sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, come here. I'm so sorry. Come here. <laughs> I just... I just kicked my dog in the head. Well, Sammy's so cute, and... She needed to have surgery, so like we had to see her in the hospital, and she had like the little cone oh in her head. He's adorable. He's, it says he's online, but it says do not disturb. That's oh, it weird. says he's back. Yeah. My thing didn't say he was back, so let me call him. Especially. This is actually the first time I've used the Skype app since a while since it updated, and it I like it much better. The Skype app, the Skype um, app is pretty good. Death, you here? Because before it was so slow. He said before that his connection wasn't good, so I don't know. Yeah. Chuck just woke up. Did you guys make a noise upstairs? My mother just opened the door. Yeah, he just looked up at me like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> back to bed for six it hours. woke me up. <laughs> I've only slept 18 hours today. Well, at one point when we were talking, he kept playing with the blanket. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my God, Chuck, stop. Oh, he bites me. It's a little distracting. So if he's not going to come back, we can just try and... <sighs> Well, I'm really pretty beat, so I might have to wrap it up because I'm tired. Give it a second, just to. Do you want to do final thoughts and then we'll can see if death comes back? <laughs> I'd love to hear your final thoughts considering you never <laughs> see the scene. I know. I was just suggesting that D- Danielle give her final fi- final thoughts. Danielle, final thoughts. Babylon Five, season four. Yeah, I think it's like the probably the best season. It's totally jam packed, but it works because everything is so fast paced that. You you know, the story just moves so well that, yeah, it's probably by far my favorite, except for the end with Marcus dying. I would gladly take Marcus over Susan, but whatever. So, yeah, I like I like the season a lot. I, I mean, I think I've been monologuing, so I don't want to bore anyone with anything else about what I think about the season. But what I will say is, if you 
have already watched the show, you've drawn your own opinion. But if you haven't watched the show, obviously season five is going to... You've been ridiculously spoiled, so I don't know why you would want to. Yeah, I mean, season five will, <laughs> yeah. will deal with the, you know, the, the opening days of the Interstellar Alliance. It's going to deal with telepaths. It's going to deal with a lot of the consequences for Nar- for the Narn and the Centauri that you saw foreshadowed in season four. You're going to realize why Londo becomes the man that you've seen him foreshadowed as. So it's stuff that you can assume happens off screen and you can jump right to the uh, final episode, which takes place many years in the future, which is something JMS always told us would happen. So if you want to, you can watch the last episode of season five, and that is pretty much the show right there. You can watch the 21 episodes that come before it. A lot of it will be filler. A lot of it will be great stuff. A lot of it will make you want to rip your hair out. And a lot of it, I think, is, is, is really solid. So I think season five is... It's easy to say it's the point where the show jumped the shark in terms of quality, but I don't think that's necessarily fair. But the tone of season five is very different from the tone of previous seasons. Like, one was the first year, two was kind of the sophistication, three was arc stuff, and four was the wrap-up. Five, it just feels like a different show. And that might be good, that might be bad, but that might be something that you may not be... It's tough because it's anticlimactic after... You know, it feels like the epilogue to the series, and you don't need the epilogue of the series to be twenty percent of the series. Yeah. So, that's, and you don't need that much Byron. That's all. Need, that's all I'm gonna say. Character named Byron. Either. I'm very curious to try this out and see if this like reverse thing works of trying <laughs> the parts that you don't like. But the other thing is, uh, character is introduced in season five that I actually like very much, and. Um, no Susan, but there's a, there's a new character. And the season, it's interesting too because the season was what is season 5 was supposed to be you know, compressed into what, 17, 16 episodes. It got 6 more than that, so it was, it, it felt a little too stretched. But also, Susan was meant to be in the season, so plot points that had been building for 4 years don't get addressed with Susan because she's not there so it's interesting I wonder how it would have been if JMS got this is one of the areas where I think if JMS got what JMS originally wanted it would have been much better so this is JMS making the best of it so it's up mm-hmm. to you if you want to watch it that way but Death Roll signing on and signing off and signing on and signing off I think his internet is weird I think his internet is wonked out but the good news is Death Roll's editing this episode so he can introduce himself right now and, and give his and he can give us his final thoughts back. hi Death Roll final thoughts <laughs> Wow, that is And then he that right in there. <laughs> I think you're being a little harsh right there. <laughs> Wonderful idea. Wait. I feel like Phil. Remember Phil? When, <laughs> he, when he couldn't be there, so he just... He I just, disagree, Death Roll. I thought Susan shouldn't have done that. I don't think he's a fatty. Well, that would be more impactful if he said it in Londo's voice. I would rather Jakar was in that scene. <laughs> I think the scene where Jakar had the sex change operation was one of the high points, though. <laughs> okay, I'm getting... Deathrow went offline, Deathrow came online. I'm getting these updates so fast and furious, I don't actually know what's happening in real time. All right, let me try him <laughs> one more time here. Deathrow went offline. All right. <laughs> Deathrow's online again! Stop it! Oh, goodness. Who do you think has the best eye patch fashion? Okay, what have I missed? It was loud and rockets with a screaming thing running amok! 
Oh, he's back. Well, what we did was you'll hear it when we uh, when you edit. When I edit, yeah, it'll be good. I'll just drop my comments we in there. No, it's weird. We, so it we, just, we, we, we gave you some discussion questions to respond to. And we gave you some, some, some points reactions. to bounce off against. Some of our reactions so you can seamlessly edit us in your final thoughts into the episode. Do you have any final thoughts you'd actually like but to share? But I, I want my question answered about Let's... who do you think has the best eye patch fashion. Hmm. Who pulls it off the best having one eye? Well, well they're both bald. Um, they're both well, cranky. He's, he's, um, both have, he's got spots. Saltai is an old man. I'm sure he has spots well, too. Catherine. Catherine better get star billing. It sounded like podcast. a bee. Catherine has just an awesome no blows. I, I think I have to look up no blows. No blows. No blows. What the no hell blow. was that? It's a miracle I could get half the, the <laughs> syllables out. One thing to to point out though is um, JMS wrote a short story. I can't think of the name of it right now, but we'll put it in the show notes when we eventually find it. It's in the show notes now, because by now we have eventually found it. Uh, And it's a short story he wrote, I forget for what publication, but it is a story of what happens to Marcus in the event that he is ever thawed out. And it's a continuation of Marcus's storyline, written by JMS, so it's just as canon as that makes it. I've never read it, but I've read a synopsis of it. it. It seems a little out there, but it's from JMS, so you know someone like Danielle, who really loves Marcus's character, might like it. But if you're interested in that, uh, we'll put the info for where you can find that in the show notes. So guess what? What? I googled Jakar mm-hmm. I to see what he looks like with his new eye. Mm-hmm. And what came up is a picture. I think it's supposed to be Carl Rove with a dummy that looks like George Bush. What the hell? Did, or just, how are you spelling Jakar? G-apostrophe-K-A-R. Yeah, it's the first yeah. one. No, yeah, I was just scrolling down and looking at the other pictures. I saw that one already. Well, there's a picture of a cat in there. Yeah. Oh, there's the Carl Rove thing. Okay. There's a picture of a dog. There's Daffy Duck. Yes, it's very, yeah. There's a car on fire. There's a bust of Jakar. <laughs> There's that naked PR woman from season two. You're about to There's go There's some drawings of Jakar. Death, get us out of here. The connection is slowing down. Oh, again, so I think oh, we should all no. say good night. Good night. Good night. Never give up, never surrender. That's a great <laughs>